Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I gave them nothing. I gave them nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. You know what you podcast. <laughs> It's good. Thank you. Good. Hi, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. It's uh, a great line. David Sims. David doubted me, but I pulled through. I didn't doubt it. I just wanted to know. And I know. Now I know. Now we know. And that's why we are hashtag the two friends. We are hashtag Stoika music. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag the two Stoika music. Yes. And uh, now Ben is standing man, actually, when you think about it. Producer Ben? Yeah. The Ben Deucer? Sure. Right at the start. Producer Ben? Poet Laureate, the peeper, the tiebreaker. Thank you. Don't make him cry. Birthday Benny? The Fuckmaster? Yep. Not Professor Crispy? No. He is our finest film critic? I mean, that's what you guys say. He's a fart detective. He's a meat lover. He's a oh, close God. personal friend of Dan Lewis. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that anyone's this is anyone's first episode is Bridge of Spies. Should be. <laughs> Should be their first and only. <laughs> that's what you're suggesting, people. No. Pick it up and drop it with this one? Doesn't matter. I suggest that. Doesn't matter. You know what you did. You know what you podcast. Um... Producer Ben, of course, has uh, graduated a certain talls over the course of different masters. Uh, Kyle Ben produced Ben Kenobi, Ben's eighth, Ben I don't want to save anything, and Bailey Ben's with dollar sign. No one can hear that, but okay, great. Uh, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. That's and us. Standing Man Ben Hosley. Yes. Hello. This is Pod Me If You Cast. It is indeed a series about the films of Steven Spielberg, colon, the DreamWorks years. Now this... Did DreamWorks have anything to do with this one? I guess they were a production company on this one. This yeah. was this was the tail end, kind of. I, this is the final proper DreamWorks movie. We're we're kind of flubbing it a little bit by including BFG, but it, it would be weird to exclude it when it's the most recent film. Maybe but this we shouldn't is, include it. I mean, it's completely forgettable. This is part of um, when DreamWorks restructured as a uh, production company with financing from Reliance, which was an Indian company. And Disney made a deal to distribute these films through Touchstone, which used to be their sort of adult imprint. Mm -hmm. For uh, Miramax was their indie imprint, Mm -hmm. and Touchstone was for your Pretty Woman's. You know, yes, of course, yes, Uh, your Six Senses, right? Your PG thirteen or R rated Mm -hmm. films. And uh, at a certain point, once Disney became more franchise based, they didn't really want to make movies like that because they had limited potential in relation to movies that can make four billion dollars. Fucking Disney, man. So they make this deal. They go, oh, DreamWorks will just be Touchstone. Yeah. We'll let DreamWorks work autonomously, make whatever they want right. with funding from Reliance, movies. Yeah. and Touchstone will be distributing those. And uh, this is the last film as part of that deal. Uh, BFG was a Disney That's proper a Disney movie. movie. It was yeah. straight up Disney because it was a kid's movie. Yeah. And now uh, DreamWorks essentially doesn't exist. Going forward, the Steven Spielberg movies are like Amblin movies now. So DreamWorks is just gone? I mean, obviously DreamWorks animation exists. I was looking into it. It's kind of weird because there's stuff like like Office Christmas Party, which was released recently, was a DreamWorks movie. But I think some of those are like DreamWorks is kind of... Yeah. DreamWorks is a small production company, but Spielberg's productions are now Amblin, Amblin. movies Amblin over DreamWorks has taken movies. over, yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. Some of the Amblin movies coming up. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. I don't like them. But they're Amblin movies. Listen to this. A dog's Listen purpose, to the Amblin slate, which yeah. is coming and out. We just had office. We had Girl on the Train and Office Christmas Party last year. Sure, not great. But those, I think, were films that were grandfathered in from the DreamWorks years. I think we're developed Fine. as DreamWorks movies. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. I don't know why you're. 
fucking nitpicking. I'm just trying then to. Then dog's purpose. Ghost in the shell. Yeah. I mean, which look, Ghost in the Shell looks kind of cool, but yeah. I mean, you know, they it, fucked up. Well, and people are going to be up in they arms. They fucked up. People are going to be up in arms when 15 months from now they leak the video of Scarlett Johansson drowning. <laughs> All right. They're uh, trying to push her into the pool and she's shaking. Ready Player One in 2018. Yeah, that's, which that's is scary. scheduled to come out in March. Yeah. What is Steven Spielberg hey, doing? Hey. Blockbusters come out year round uh, now. And then Bumblebee. Oh, right. The Transformers God spinoff, damn Bumblebee. God damn it. Do you, does anyone in the world care about Bumblebee? I, or do they just think that we care? I'll say this. I probably care about Bumblebee more than most. And how much do you care about Bumblebee? A good amount. I have less. How can you care about Bumblebee? I have less than zero interest in seeing a Bumblebee movie. Bumblebee Question. is a. This, what is Bumblebee? He's okay, Bumblebee's a nice friend. He's the yellow Transformer who can't talk, so he only, like. He speaks in like clips from he, the radio. He's Shia's first car. He's a boy's best friend, and he—he's got a loses his voice box. So he's transformer face. He's not nice. Yeah, you can't make a movie about him. No, and you I cannot. like him. He's one of my good friends. He's not one of my two friends. Though. Uh, sure, no, no. Um, yeah, that's a that's a dispiriting slate. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know this um. This miniseries has sort of been about Steven Spielberg at a weird crossroads as the crossroads. film industry crossroads as the film industry is changing dramatically and rapidly, right. you know? And at a time where some could argue the full effect of what Spielberg and Lucas created in the 70s has now completely overtaken the industry. Sure. Spielberg is sort of fighting this last stand to try to make adult dramas. Sure. Um, and make adult films. dramas for significant budgets. Obviously, yes. you got your indie dramas, no. your lo- smaller budget he's trying dramas. To make fucking sixty million basement yeah, movies. This is a forty million dollar movie. Really? Yeah, that's good. very impressive. Pretty good, right? Yeah, they built Berlin. Yeah, can and you build Berlin? Huh? I cannot. No. And even well, stop they saying built you a wall. Can. I know. I keep they built a wall. They built the damn wall. I'm just trying to get laid. I keep telling people I can build Berlin. <laughs> um, they, well, those girls who are hot for. Berlin yes. replicas, not the real sure. Berlin. Uh, there's this weird thing in the period of movies that we're watching. You know, Schindler's List is this kind of pivot point that he can't go back from. Once he becomes an adult, he can't try to pretend that he's just a kid anymore, right? Uh-huh. And Lost World is a misstep because of that. Amistad, he paints with too broad a brush. Aside from the fact that he shouldn't have been making that material, he tries to filter through the traditional Spielbergy things, right? Yeah. And when he's making these genre films, he's making these... Keep on using the same word, but haunted, morally gray genre films like AI, like Catch Me If You Can, like uh, Minority Report, sure. like War of the Worlds, you know, to varying levels of success. And he missteps when he does, you know, a crystal skull, a war horse. He does something that's more conventionally Spielberg and he tries to make it simpler and more straightforward. It's true. Ready Player One's a little scary to me. I have no idea how that's going to turn I out. I don't either. It's, it's a big question we, mark. We'll give that one some time. That Look, one's got a whole year to come out. Uh, BFG also is a misstep for similar reasons. We'll cover that next week. Um, BFG, like War Horse, like you're saying, BFG is the kind of movie where you're like, oh, yeah, I could see Steven Spielberg making this in 1991. Like, you know, like and it you just. Imagine it would be great. And you watch it now and it's like. It just seems beyond him. That's like, the beyond problem. his interest. Right. Well, we'll get to BFG next week. But we'll it's, those are the movies where it feels like him trying to make a quote unquote Spielberg movie rather than making what he. We'll get to it next week. Fascinating. We'll get to it next week. This movie is, to me, in a certain way, the apex of what he's been evolving towards in his career. Mm. Because of all these adult dramas, it's the one that is 
um, the most sort of classical, the uh-huh. most focused, uh-huh. the least showy. It's, it's not showy. That's true. It's less showy than like Munich. Yeah, and is and is just like every inch a masterpiece. You know, agreed, man. I mean, you don't have set pieces. It's similar to Lincoln, but you're not dealing with a towering historical figure. Yeah. Um, and you know, it comes out. It makes eighty million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, opens kind of small, but ends up repeating pretty well. And people go, "Oh, pretty good box office return. Does well overseas. Gets nominated for best picture. Wins best supporting actor." But I feel like it gets pegged with like, "Oh, it's one of those." Uh, definitely gets pegged with, and you know what doesn't help? Tom Hanks being in it. Sure, it just definitely gets pegged with. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's a Spielberg dad movie. It's about history. Oh, it's him and I Hanks. They both Fine. love war shit. You Three know, stars. You know, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I'm like, sure it's fine. I'm sure it's, it's some fine like for what it side is. poop of the Pacific. You right. Know? Yeah, exactly. Now you know what does help this movie? What? Tom Hanks being in it when you're actually watching it. Of course. Because Jesus Christ, what a fucking performance, and what a movie that can only work if you have someone who is that comfortable and in control as a movie star. Standing man. Touch your music. Yeah, what's up? Oh, God. Hey, Ben. I, yeah. You like that Bridge of Spies? I love me some Bridge of Spies. Is that his fucking nickname? Is it Standing Ben? Standing Ben? <gasps> That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Standing Ben. I think it's Standing Ben, right? Because yeah. it's not the Ben Friendly Giant. Mm, it's a bit. You would need another element to that uh, yeah. acronym. Right. And we already said it's not Catch Me If You Ben. It's not Gigolo Ben. No. No, it's not the Lost Ben. Jurassic Oz. <laughs> Jurassic Oz, though. Uh, the lost, back, the right? lost Haas Jurassic. <laughs> um, yeah, saving. I, I do still. Private Ryan. I mean, sorry, Sergeant Rybin from. I really think that character just popped so hard in Saving sure. Private Ryan. Rybin. Sure. And he's just, you know, like, there's a lot of things you don't know about him, such as that he is from Brooklyn. That he's a Brooklyn guy. Wait, the Ed Keeps, Burns character's from Brooklyn? The Ed Burns character in Saving Private Ryan is as, like, this is in, like, the background of the character. Okay, you know how they write, like, Bibles for the characters? Well, stuff is, you don't know. This is what I'm asking you. Is this one of those bullshit fan theories, like, the Pixar movies take place in the same universe? Because I don't think that's supported by the text of the film. The, what, it, what it is is Boo went into the past and became an old witch lady. And then uh, that old witch lady gave birth to Private Ryben, whatever, in Brooklyn. Brave takes place in Brooklyn. Hey, you know what I love? <laughs> I just recently found out that the whole point of the the whole idea of the Pixar theory is that, is that Boo's Boo the witch from is Brave. the witch in Brave, and she like loops back around, and that the good dinosaur explains why monsters exist and like stuff like that. Yeah, you know what I love when like uh, six times a year, people who I kind of know oh, are like, "Hey, man, found I'm... this cool theory." Yo, any thoughts on this? Look, here's my problem with the Pixar theory. Those Pixar assholes are not helping by, like, putting a little postcard of the pizza planet or whatever in the background of, you know, Monsters University. or I don't like, no, 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 stop it. I like that stuff, but it's fucking Easter egg shit. It's like putting E.T. in The Phantom Menace. I mean, that's fine. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. You know, the problem is that people want to read that as, like, some canonical thing. Like, yes. it's the fucking ending of Split. Look, these people are, are, are bored. I yeah. guess is the gentlest way to put yeah. it. Well, and to be fair, it makes a lot of sense because there's nothing else to focus on in the world at large right now. That's why we're going to spend two hours talking about Bridge of Spies. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but I'll say this. Uh, I love this movie. I saw it twice when it came out. I mm-hmm. think it was my number three of last year. We both it gave an, it a lot it of blanky nominations. Five, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's in the upper echelon of my Spielberg period, not just for this miniseries. Fair. Period, full stop. Um, I... 
for me, watching this movie last night, and reminder, we're recording this in January, so who knows, maybe we will have gone yeah, through seriously. four impeachments by the time this episode drops. Hey, hey, man, impeach him three ways from Sunday for all I care. Right. We make it all the way down to Secretary of Agriculture is now president. That's fine. That guy, he, that's the guy who's from Montana. He, I'm sure he's okay. Oh, he's uh, probably not that great. No, he's a nightmare. He doesn't <laughs> believe in global warming. <laughs> oh, God. We're doomed. We are. <laughs> uh, watching this movie in theaters. Yeah. There were moments that I found emotional, but they were more sort of like golden glow Spielberg emotional where you just kind of got like a twinkle in your eye and a smile on your face. And you go like, oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Watching this last night, I almost broke down crying a oh, couple it's, times. It's so good. And it wasn't because, uh, you know, of a, a we bought a zoo type thing where I was recently I dumped and, and I'm at a hair trigger. I'm feeling fairly psychologically balanced these days. Well, sure. But watching this movie and seeing a film that's just about the decency of an ordinary American who prioritizes uh, his basic humanity and his sense of empathy for others above all else, and also someone who just takes the responsibility of their job very seriously right. and wants to do a good job and use their power for good, uh, it, like, fucking destroyed me last night. Yeah. It both gave me a lot of uh, hope and inspiration, and then immediately the movie ended, and I went and checked Twitter, and I felt terrible. Okay, enough about the real world, which is bad. Bridge of Spies. Bridge O Speed. Which is great. Which is great. I so yeah, this was um, this was at the New York Film Festival, uh-huh. uh, and I was I skipped the screening because I think it was on like a Saturday at ten a.m. and it was just you know the movie is coming out in a couple weeks and and, I and let's say this too, both the trailer and the poster for this movie suck. Terrible like, trailer, like horrific. One of those bad. trailers that's obviously worried you're not going to think it's an exciting movie, so they kind of try and make it look like this sort of like you know corny thriller. They sort of cut it like it was Munich. It's yeah. got a bridge in the name. Put a, a bridge on the poster. That's just that's just common sense. Uh no, indeed. Uh no um no bridges on the poster. The poster was like, well there's two posters, but the one they had a lot of was Hanks floating head. Yes. Two flags, which right. look, try a little harder guys. That's not a great poster. Well, also, the other one with the more like 60s kind of like red and white and black like cartoony imagery around him was a little better. You know that one I mean? A little better. A little better, a little a more, little little popped a little popped more. Right, but it's like a big floating head poster where his head is like 90% of the poster and then you have the Floating sort of- head posters. And I get like, look, you hand me Bridge of Spies, I might also be like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? This is not a posterable movie. Okay, this is where I disagree with you and this is one of only two serious complaints I have about the movie and it's not even a complaint towards the movie, it's a complaint towards the marketing okay, department. Okay, fine, what is it? The movie hands you a fucking poster. The poster should have been the fucking painting that Abel gives him with oh, the text over that. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> a great call. No, I'm that's not insane. so good. I like that. It should have been the painting, which would have just looked like a nice fucking Struzani, like, here's a painting oh of Tom Cruise looking like a hero. the poster for Bridge of Spies was literally just an oil painting of Tom Hanks. And instead of Steven Spielberg film, Bridge of Spies. People would have <laughs> lost their minds laughing at that. That would have been hilarious. And then when they went to see the movie, they would have... No, they would not have seen the movie, though. They would have been like, what's this oil painting, I'll Hanks? I'll this tooth and nail. Oh it's like the thing when, when the Alamo Draft House here in Brooklyn opened. The first week, they served the chef special if you went to see Moonlight. Uh-huh. And the whole thing was like, you're seeing Moonlight for the first right, time. You eat that. You're eating this dish. You don't know what it is. And then by the time the chef special is introduced in the movie, people just go like, oh, my God. Now it means That is so an much. interesting way of arguing in favor of having the the poster of Bridges Spies be an oil painting of Tom Hanks. This is like the time me, you, and Bobby were looking at Oscar posters, yes. and then it was just Ellen DeGeneres' face. Okay, but is the poster 
that they ended up going with that different from an oil painting of Tom Hanks's face. It's just a shitty Photoshop floating head. I don't disagree that the poster is bad. And there's similar images, except the painted one's nicer and has thematic meaning. Anyway, let's move on. Oil painting poster. Someone, please, Photoshop. No, it should have been Mark Rylance literally at an easel painting the painting. And so it's called, like, Bridge of Spies, but the picture is just Mark Rylance in painter's clothes. And he's, like, putting the finishing touches on Tom Hanks's face Yeah, I mean, I'd love in that. prison. Yeah. Then I'm like, what's going on in this movie? I want to see this movie. Uh... Let's let's point out just before we get into it in the meat of the film, uh, Mark Rylance, obviously one of the best living actors. He won an Academy Award for this performance. It was a, a surprising win and upset. People thought Sly Stallone. Was, I would. It's was interesting because I feel it. like two months before the Oscars, three months before the Oscars, yeah. Rylance was the absolute favorite, and right. he won a lot of critics' awards. Creed was screened late, and the Creed's, second it was Creed screened, came in late was not campaigned very well. Yes. by its by its. Uh, uh, studio. Yeah, because it should have gotten like six nominations. Exactly. But then Creed comes in late, Sly Stallone, and everyone's like, oh, like, he's gonna win because this is his only shot. They you built know, like, such a strong narrative around him, and then- It just made sense. What everyone ignored was like, oh, Rylance gave a perfect performance. Rylance gave a perfect performance. Sly Stallone's reputation in Hollywood is mixed. Yes. Uh, and I think both those things combined to, it was a, it was very surprising. When, On the when night, Rylance it was very won. surprising. Very surprising. But he had been the front runner before And it was like right Stallone. at the start of the show, because I think it was might have been the first Oscar it wasn't. announced. No, because no? Best Supporting Actress was- They, did, they do one of the supportings first. first often. It was like right in the middle. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, that's a thing I, I always, uh, when people, uh, talk about like Oscar snubs and why they happen, uh, I think the same thing unites why, uh, Stallone lost by upset and why Eddie Murphy lost by upset, mm. which is nominations happen by your branch. Actors mm. nominate actors, but then the wins, everyone in every branch votes for everything. Right. Right. So a sound mixer doesn't get to nominate actors, but they do get to vote on actors. Yeah. And so actors, I think, can focus more on the performance. But then when you get into the entire voting body, they go like, okay, I'm a set decorator, right. and Eddie Murphy was an asshole to me. Right. Like, the guys like Stallone and Murphy who are known for being temperamental at best, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, man. And destructive and obstructive at worst. <sighs> Eddie Murphy should have won that Oscar. Yeah, he should have. But Alan Arkin also is a really cool winner. I disagree. I, that he'd be like last on my list. In oh, I think that's a great fucking performance. I think it's a great performance. I think he's a great actor. I love that he has an Oscar. Argo fucked yourself. Okay, Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. So yeah, I, I mean, I skipped the New York Film Festival screening, and then everyone coming out of it was like, "Eh, it's fine. I don't know. Fine. You know, it's very, handsome. Very, people, very fine. People use those backhanded compliments. Like it's it's well made. Uh, yeah." And so I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll like it, but I'm sure it's like a... It's a broccoli movie. Yeah, maybe like a, a four out of five, right? Like, you know, a very good, handsomely mounted Spielberg production that teaches me a little bit about the world. See, I went into it assuming even that it would be like a three. Uh-huh. You know, like a gentleman's three, and I'd be like, it's fine. But, you know, I had really liked Lincoln. It's weird, though. Right. Yeah, we were not hyped. And, like, it was one of those things where at the beginning of the year, you make your Oscars sort of, you sort of look at the field, and you're like, what's an Oscar front runner? Ten years ago, you would have seen Bridge of Spies and been like, bingo, bingo, this one. Yes. At this point, people are kind of like, well, eh, you know, nah, I don't know. It'll do fine. Well, and I'll say, uh, a lot of the crew that worked on the uh, television series Vanel, HBO's Vanel, 
Uh-huh. Vinyl, he's referring to. Well, I mean, sure, you would pronounce it like that. Sure. Um, Worked on Bridge of Spies. Like, when our season ended, they went over to Bridge of Spies. Or it was after the pilot, rather. Mm-hmm. Between the pilot and when we went to series. Mm-hmm. And I kept on asking people in the crew, like, hey, you have something lined up after this? And all of them were like, I'm working on the new Spielberg movie. The script's fucking incredible. So I kept on hearing from people, like, this script's amazing. Sure. Then the trailer came out. It looked really fucking bland. Yeah. The poster was even blander. And the New York's film, uh, film festival shit was, uh, was, was just, like, kind of, like, dismissive. Like, yeah, no, it's Spielberg. I mean, it's fine. Um, the script is by Matt Sharman, who is a fantastic playwright. Mm-hmm. It uh, was embellished on by the Coen brothers, although I, I took a pass. I've been told that all their work is in the negotiation scenes. Like that's where it all is. All the, like the scene with the um, you know, with the fake family. Hanks's opening scene kind of feels Coeny to Hanks's me. Hanks's opening scene. Oh, where he's doing the one, one, one. Yes, <laughs> maybe I don't know, but like. I well, I don't know. I had read in multiple reports like that it's all the um just the sort of the talking scenes right mm-hmm. in the middle there. The, okay. the Cohen's just added you know, some Cohen-y humor. Sure. And uh, you know, sort of yeah, like their weird sort of circular, interesting way of doing the dialogue. The circular dialogue and uh, another thing that feels very Coney to me, and maybe, you know, this was added by uh, uh, Sharman. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, I feel like people kind of gave Sharman short shrift because they, yes. they saw the Coen Brothers' names on it yeah. and they were like, oh, they must have made it good. I don't think so. I think everyone loved the Sharman script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, impossible to know who did what. Sure, sure. But there's a thing that feels very Coney in the movie to me, um, which is this movie uses the repetition of certain phrases to its advantage. Yes. It establishes a language of just like this phrase means that so when mm-hmm. it's repeated it has extra meaning or when it's subverted is, it's it has true. extra it's meaning classic Cohen. and it does it with like four different phrases over the course of the movie and all of them have give so me the much phrases power. uh the phrases are yes. let me see if i can remember all four of them uh would it help would it help uh the use of your guy my guy not my guy yeah um the uh the i have a cold i just want to go home get into bed mm mm-hmm. And the fourth one is oh fuck, oh it's it's the it's the how many things the one 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 right. one right. one one right. thing happened here one right. one right. one yes and then sometimes he's like one for two then he's like no it's one for one the idea of negotiating things right. yes um, and even to a lesser degree I think the the boss line is maybe repeated more than once uh yeah sure 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 yeah he may not always be right but he's always the boss um so you and I both see this movie I think with very low expectations. And uh, or or middling expectations, and both come out of it. We're recording the podcast at that time, yeah. And we like see each other before recording. We go like, we're both just staring at each other, I going know. like, "That's a fucking masterpiece." Why is anyone else talking about? I know. This? Well, yeah. I, mean, I saw it with my brother, um, just like maybe I think the day it came out, or the, certainly the weekend it came out, just like at an empty screening at like Court Street Regal, you uh-huh. know, just like nobody there. We just sat there quietly, and we walked out. Like, that is the fucking greatest. What the hell is going on? Like one of our is best living filmmakers, stupid pills, made one of his best films right. ever. It's just like everyone's just like, mm. yeah. Like what was even? What were we even excited about? People, I mean, fucking the Revenant like ran laps around this movie in terms of box office, Oscars, <laughs> and critical reception. Everyone was jerking off the Revenant, right? Which is objectively. A poopy movie. A shit movie. That I caught 30 minutes of on HBO the other day, and it was just a poop. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. It wasn't like Bridge of Spies where you turn it on and you're like, oh, I'm so gripped yeah. by the by the, 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 the complicated issues being uh, fleshed out here. And here's the thing. Through performance. I disagree, and photography. though. photography. I'm sorry to say I disagree. I like The Revenant because Ugh. I 
believe that nothing matters, uh-huh. and I'm a nihilist. So you like it because the movie doesn't matter, and it's not about anything. Yeah, yeah, it's just about nothing. It's just about pain and cold. Yeah, and wet. To me, the Revenant is just like, just don't go over there. Yeah, just do you like live in a town that has yeah. like toilets and you know a to, store? To me, the Revenant's like nicer. Don't, don't make this <laughs> that's movie. The things, that's the things, David. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, when's the Revenant set? Like, the 19th century, right? Like, I don't know, yeah. sometime in the 19th century. Yeah. Like, what, what? It's cold. Why? It's fucking cold over there. Just chill out, man. But to me, not to make it emblematic too much, it was just like, okay, Revenant is like the most movie, right? Sure. It's like so much fucking movie, and it's so showy, and it it's good. in your face, and it looks great, and there was so much narrative about how difficult it was to make. Yeah, and right. oh my god, the experience, yeah. you gotta see a big this and that. And Leo's finally gonna get his Oscar. That was a huge part of it. And you Bridge gotta Spies. see Leo's performance that's gonna get him his Oscar. Bridge of Spies just kind of quietly sits back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just it's got this very steady, very delicate hand, but it's like a movie where like there's not a single unmotivated camera movement. There's not a line wasted. Every performance is note perfect, you know, from the top to the bottom. Um, and, uh, I think like there is, uh, a real problem today about movies like that kind of being dismissed. I feel like television that functions on that level gets appreciated. You know, mm-hmm. people lean into something like Westworld and go like, Oh, what do you read into that performance and this line and that shot? Well, I and think movies, this is a problem in general. Right I now. agree. And movies have to be fucking everything in your face all yeah. the time to work. Yeah. And when it's a good movie that's everything in your face all the time, great. Give it the attention. Give Mad Max the credit it deserves. Yeah, give the big short its attention, I suppose. Yeah. I'm trying to think of movies of that year. I feel like that's in between the two points we're talking about. Yeah, I agree. About, right? A Bridge of Spies is one point. Indeed. And The Revenant's the other point. Big short's right in the middle for me. Yeah. But it feels like movies like this that are just sort of classical, unfussy, focused, intelligent, thoughtful, mm-hmm. uh, tend to just get brushed under of like, ah, eh, just watch that at home. Bridge of Spies. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, AMC 25 it was a fairly crowded screening. I think it was sure. during the first weekend. But it was a thing where I was like, I just got to check this on my list. I'm thrilled with seeing Oscar movies. I'm going to see it. I saw it in a double feature. I like snuck into it afterwards. I was not excited about it. What did you see beforehand? I can't even remember. But I know that was the main attraction for me. Whatever you were seeing beforehand. I, I was like, know. I'll see that, and then maybe I'll throw in Bridge of Spies afterwards if I'm feeling up to it. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, good movie. And then I saw Bridge of Spies, and we'll never remember what the other movie was. Was then. it Steve Jobs? No. Was it, I'm trying to see, I'm looking at like movies that were sort of like relative. Was it Room? No. No. Can't even, you, can't, you, you wouldn't want to do Room Job. I mean, no. Room Bridge. No. And I saw Room with Romley. God, talk about a movie. Or I saw Rom with Romley. Was it Pan? Was it the great movie Pan? Yes, it was Pan. No. All right, Bridge Ospies. <sighs> okay, so the movie opens with a bravura sequence. Ten minutes. It's a great sequence. First seven minutes are, are practically dialogue-free. Uh, for sure. A few kind of overheard muttered lines. No, no, right? it's dialogue-free. Um, Rudolph Abel, yes. played by Mark Rylance. Right. The, the film. great. Yes. And is now Spielberg's muse. Like, right? Like, this is Spielberg's new muse. He is doing, he's in the BFG. He's in Ready Player One, and he's the Pope movie that and he's Spielberg's in, about to start making. Is is Spielberg making that? Yes, I thought Scorsese was making that. No, okay. Spielberg is making a movie about the Pope going missing. Right, the one with Oscar Isaac. No, it's not the Pope going missing. It's all about some kid who gets like adopted by the Vatican or something. I don't fucking know. I can look Mark Rylance plays the grown up version of that kid, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I thought I think Mark Rylance plays the Pope. 
Is this like a kid pope kind of situation? I don't want this. I, okay. Look, we had a young pope, but a kid pope? <laughs> We're getting the details of no, this No, I want to know. Now we have to know. Now <laughs> we have to know, goddammit. It's called The Kidnapping of Edgardo Mortar- Mortara. Okay. It's about a young Jewish boy in Bologna, Italy, who is taken to be raised as a Christian, and it becomes uh, part of a larger battle about the papacy. And Mark Rylance, indeed, is playing Pius the Ninth, Pope Pius the Ninth. Okay. I think, well, Oscar Isaac is the only other person who's in it. Maybe he plays the kid. I don't okay. know. I know they're still looking for the kid. I went to a diner the other day, and they had a, a flyer about uh, looking for kids to star in a new Amblin Spielberg movie. There's, sure. there's an exhaustive search for the kid. Cool. Um, that that's an exciting project to me. I think Kushner's writing that, right? Yeah, it's like the third in Spielberg's uh, scratchy chin Kushner movies, the Hindu Kush. <laughs> the Hindu Kush. Yeah. Take another hit of that dank Kush. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's working with Rylance for the foreseeable future. I mean, even like the part he loves Rylance. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like Spielberg discovered, you know, this uh, underrated three-time Tony-winning like legend of British right. stage Mark Rylance. He was like, yeah, this guy's got the goods. Maybe I should throw him in a few of my movies. Yeah, but it was weird that people didn't put him in movies forever. You know. I mean, he, he was a a, he was a very busy stage actor. I think. And didn't he run a theater company? Yes, he ran the yes. Shakespeare Globe. Right. And he ran that company. He did all kinds of weird things there. Like, he would do all male productions, all female productions. Like, he, he liked to fuck around with the uh, weird limited format of the Shakespeare Globe. Uh, he also uh, did a movie called Intimacy in which... See his ding-dong. And that's why he's one of our best living actors. He showed his ding-dong a bunch. Indeed he did. I've yeah. seen that movie. It's not bad. It's it, That was very shocking. Standing dick. <laughs> It was a very shocking Stolcher movie in Britain when it came out. It was, yeah. it was like, there was a lot of fuss about it in Britain when it, it came out. It's pretty graphic in France. It's quite graphic. Yeah. Um, but in like it's one of those movies. It's such a British movie where it's like it's about like an affair and you see a bunch of dick and you know boobs and stuff. Right. And then it, but it's really just about like a couple of depressed people who you know sure. don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> like it, it doesn't have like a lot of plot. Um, but Spielberg casts him in this. He wins the Oscar. Right. He'd wanted to make BFG for a long time. The idea was always for it to be a Robin Williams film. Sure. He was waiting for the technology to catch up. Right. Rob technology catches dies, up. And Rob Williams dies, and he has the idea like, oh, this guy I just worked with, he could play the BFG. Right. Ready Player One, there was that role was earmarked. It's a Willy Wonka type role, the man who mm-hmm. creates this video game world. Uh-huh. He had earmarked it for Gene Wilder. Sure. And was aggressively talking Gene Wilder. Uh, oh, Jesus, to- maybe, don't be have yeah. Spielberg interested in you. It's a curse. Yep. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, Spielberg, uh, his second choice for the role was Fidel Castro. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> I'll believe anything. Uh, his third choice for the role was Richard Spencer, who got off easy with only a punch. Oh, God, that guy. Um, you know what I just found out? That guy has like 40,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah. He's supposed to be the leader of some scary movement? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid from Glee has a million followers. Yeah, Jesus. Like, what's, what's the, and when he the says one the kid the... from Glee, he just means one of the kids from Glee, like the yeah. ninth kid from Glee. <laughs> he doesn't even mean the main one. It's who like a the... Liam Michelle. Yeah, exactly. We're talking Kevin McHale or whatever his name is. It's definitely some mc something. Yeah. It's not Kevin played McHale. played Artie? Kevin McHale was the power forward for the Boston okay. Celtics whatever his name is. Um... Uh, but but he had desperately wanted to pull Gene Wilder out of retirement, and when he Gene is Wilder, Kevin McHale, that's so oh, weird that no, that's his name. It. <laughs> it just says a lot that like Gene Wilder can't do it. Okay, Rylance, Rylance. I mean, Rylance then, is a comedian. Yes. He and can do a lot of stuff. I think this Pope movie he mostly did because he thought it was a good fit for Rylance. That became his next project. Damn, I like this sick of Rylance. I mean, I love Rylance. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Abel Rylance, great. 
uh, as Ben noted, we should get through the first yes. half of this movie right. quicker because this movie is kind of bifurcated. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Yes. I mean that the the essential story is you know yeah. it's sort of like one thing happened and then after a little while another thing happened. But it's almost like a six act movie because it's like the first hour of the movie has three acts and feels like it resolves itself and then another movie happens. Yep, that's it's like a diptych. That's accurate. That movie has three acts and then the end of the movie kind of unifies yep. the two. So the first beautifully movie is about the arrest of Rudolph Abel, who is right. a spy. This great bravura opening sequence where he's getting a little uh, little thingy from a coin, you I'm know, about like, painting. Like Spielberg grabbing you from the opening shot. It's like a close-up of Rudolph Abel, right? The camera pulls out a little bit. You see it's his reflection in a mirror. He's looking at himself in a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, obvious symbolism, but it's like, you know, this is a movie that's going to be dealing with identity, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. and the unknowable nature of who this guy is and what side he's on and, and what rights he deserves and all of that. And then we pull out a little bit further, track back, and we see that he's painting himself. So within this one frame, you have like his actual head, his reflection in the mirror, and the painting of himself. Sure. And it's just like, it's beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful stage setting. Yeah. And now you see the sort of process of him picking how, up how the phone. Up the, yeah. No one responds. That tells you everything as he stands there. This is such a fucking, like, this is a performance where this dude's acting with every fiber of his being. Mm-hmm. Like, every single micro gesture, every muscle tells you something about this character, who is very enigmatic, right? And right. unknowable. Um, and then you see this awesome process shit of him cutting open the coin, taking the thing out. Looking goes at out, the numbers. Right. Goes outside, brings his little easel, goes and paints, and you start to see people following. And you're Dominic not- Dominic Lombardazzi from sure. The Wire. Sure. Plays the lead agent. Sure. There's a bunch of other guys. But you're not hearing them go like, that's him, this and that. No, you know? no, they, but they do kind of start running around when they know he can't. It's uh, a lot of looks and it's a lot of quiet, you know, reasonably paced walking. And then he sort of notices them on the subway and he loses them. And you're watching it and you're like, does this guy know what's going on? Is he smarter than he looks or is he dumber than he looks? Sure. Gets back to his house and they burst in. Yeah, and they, they take him. They're calling him the colonel. He's very calm. Weirdly calm. He does do one clever thing, though. He wants to wipe the paint off his easel. Because otherwise it'll dry up. And in the off process, his palette, sorry. yes, off his palette, in the process, he muddies up the secret uh, piece of paper that was inside the coin. Yeah. Good job, Rudolph. That is the only, honestly, it's like the only sort of, uh, not even clever is not the word, like, you know, cunning thing that we see him do. Sure. Apart from that, he's he's all, you know, it's all tightly wrapped away. Yeah. Like, we don't see... No. Whatever motivates him to be a Soviet spy. We don't learn much about his history. Which I love. We learn like a, a smidgen. We hear one story from his childhood, you know. But um and uh and he's arrested. He's a Soviet spy. The real Rudolph Abel was not considered like a major spy, mm-hmm. but they did get him, so yep. they had him, you know. And, and it's and a big deal. Spielberg fades to black and then fades back into the face of Tom Hanks. And from the first frame, you just go like, okay, Hanks has officially entered a new phase of his career. I'm not saying this was the beginning of that phase, yeah, but this is sort of like when it really started achieving like cruising altitude, which is Tom Hanks is like fucking Spencer Tracy, you know? Absolutely. He's Spencer like, Tracy's a good analog for what he's yes. doing here. Yes. You know, he's making films with American masters mostly. He's let himself age more than most actors do. Correct. He is no illusions about trying to seem cooler hip. Right. Which in a way makes him cooler hip. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hanks has become a bit of a like 
a lower level Bill Murray type hipster icon. Yeah. People love his tweets and shit. But it's also just that he's America's dad and he has no shame about that. He makes dad jokes and shit like that. But also he's jowly now, you know? Mm-hmm. He looks funny, but he looks like an adult. Yeah. And it's just uh I, I was talking about this with Richard Lawson, good friend of the show, past and future guest. Sure. About like this has become my new favorite like genre of movies I look forward to every year, which is like uh Tom Hanks yeah. working with a classicist, making a movie about someone who's really good at their job. Movies that are odes to American professionalism. So we're, we're talking about Sully. Yes. Obviously. Yeah, I would even, uh, it's not obviously an American master, um, but uh, I really like Hologram for the King, which I think was kind of uh, underrated, 2016 But film. that's not a movie about competence in the same way, is it? Because that's more a movie about a middle-aged crisis, right? Yeah, it's got more things going on than that. I mean, it was sold mostly as a middle-aged crisis. I think it also does end up being about him being good at his job in <laughs> the midst of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Phillips, I fall into that category. Uh, Captain Phillips, for sure. More Although, of a thriller, but it's also about him managing that situation so well and just being a real blue collar. Inferno, obviously. Right, yeah. I mean, that's about a guy who knows how to deal with an inferno. I mean, no one's better at their job than Robert Langdon. Name one person who's better at their job than Robert, Robert Langdon. Robert Langdon. Isn't Inferno about, like, Robert Langdon, like, wakes up out of a coma and they're like, you are a criminal! Like, he's been, like, framed. There's video footage of Robert Langdon. Stealing the kind of artifact he usually protects. Yeah, like he like stole the Mona Lisa by mistake yeah. or whatever. Right. Good stuff. Yeah, he came on the... On the <laughs> yeah, he jacked off onto the... Man, yeah. the only thing he's got next year is that fucking James Ponsalt movie, The Circle. It looks like a piece of poop. Well, where he's playing like Steve Jobs. Yeah, where he's playing Larry Page. Yeah. That's the only thing he's got next year? Well, I'm looking at Wikipedia. I hope you throw something else on the schedule. Yeah, let's get some Hanks. Let's um, get some more Hanksy. The thing... The disrespect the Academy Awards showed him... With Sully and showed Sully in general, but especially showed him in a weak year for Oscar. Yep. I mean, look, I'm I love Viggo Mortensen as an actor. I did not like Captain Fantastic at all. He's pretty good in it. He's always good. I'm happy for him to get another nomination. Like you know, no beef. Yeah. But that you're given that an Oscar nomination and ignoring Hanks and Sully. It's also weird that Hanks, who was known as Mr. Oscar forever and is literally like on the board of governors for the but Academy. But it's the same thing that they do to become, Spielberg. Yes. Because they nominated this movie for a bunch. They didn't nominate Spielberg for they Best take Director. They for granted. Because, yeah, well, I think, and I don't even, I don't even hate the argument of like, look, we gave you the trophies. Yeah. What do you need from us? Like, yeah, congrats. We're going to leave you off so Larry Abrahamson can get a nomination. But that's the thing. It feels fucking contrarian. I agree. Like, I yes. agree. I'm, But I'm just saying, like, that's... Hanks, yeah, the only other thing yes. in his is Toy Story 4. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Hanks should have been nominated for Phillips, should have been nominated for Bridge of Spies, should have been nominated for Sully. The fact that he was nominated for none of those is egregious. True. And uh, his la- Is his last nomination Castaway? Is that the last correct. one? Is that really true? Which is insane, which was 2000. His last nomination was... 17 years ago. That's, yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. Or I guess 16 years ago because the nominations were announced in oh, 2001. Oh, Whatever, please. who fucking gives a shit? Um, please, will you just look at yourself in the mirror? I do, and I don't like what I see. Yeah, cast away. Uh, the thing that Richard Loss and I talk about, though, is that there's the metatextual element to Hanks has become just so fucking good at his job of being a movie star yeah. that watching these movies is watching someone who's really good at their job play someone who's really good at their job. Not untrue. And the key to it is, I think, Hanks, who has always been an excellent actor, right? Has gone through different phases of career, but has always been an excellent actor. Yes, he has. Used to have more sort of tricks. And I don't use that in a dismissive way. 
most movie stars have tricks. They have their moves that people see that makes them feel comfortable. They know that's the thing that actor does, you know? Yeah. This type of vocal pattern, this type of face, this type of emotional beat, that's what they're good for. That's what they're known for, all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, Hanks, I think, has become just one of the most effortless seeming he's very effortless actor. actors that without any call. real tricks starting, or handles starting at, with like after castaway yeah castaway is loaded with tricks obviously great performance well in 2004 that double header's tricky as shit well, what's the two or the triple header the fucking oh, you mean lady terminal killers. lady killers polar express that's true super tricky hanks that's true he starts going back and forth between the tricky shit yeah but then like he he really i think hits um like this decade 2010 okay he starts just becoming this very pure, simple, effortless actor. Well, okay, and we re- we're not obeying our rule, which was to get through the first half quickly. So let's Hanks, as you say with Tracy, he's playing this like, you know, this like shard of conscience that America cannot remove. You yes. know, so it's like Abel goes on trial. Hanks is this like respected lawyer, respected insurance lawyer who worked at the Nuremberg trials. Jeffrey Donovan, I mean, sorry, James Donovan. Yeah, Jeffrey Donovan. That's an actor. Sure. Um. Who is picked, like, you look, look, the guy needs a lawyer. You know, will you do your duty and just represent him in court? Someone yeah. needs to. We need I, to maintain it, this the is, illusion. This is America. Right. This is a Soviet spy. We're going we're gonna to be better than the Soviet Union. We're going to give this guy a real day in court. Then, of course, Donovan, like, decides to put, some, put his back into it. Takes well, a bit of a yes. shine to Abel. Yes. Right? Well, and yes, this is what's great about it. I mean, the, his opening Would you scene, say that Abel gets a shine box out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Billy Bats. Yeah, he tells him go get your fucking shine box, yeah. and he goes gladly. Yeah, For this he does. guy, For this guy, I'll do gladly. it gladly. Do it, uh, do it, do it. <laughs> Not like this. Have you seen that clip, that that video where every time the lightsabers hit, it just says it's just Palpatine saying do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you do you watch uh, Baskets, the Galvanica yeah. show? Yeah, I've seen Baskets. Have you seen uh, the beginning of season two, which will no. be like seven months old by the time this episode comes not. out? I have not. Uh, he joins up with a bunch of uh, vagrants, like homeless people who live under the bridge and have their own sort of like traveling circus routine, busking. Cool. And all of them have names of the Nebuchadnezzar crew. Wait, <laughs> it's, really? It's never called out. Wait, really? I think it's the funniest They're bit. They're called like APOC and Switch? Morpheus, <laughs> APOC, Tank, Trinity. I don't think there's a Switch, but there are five of them. It's such a good bit. I gotta catch up. Like they go, like this is Morpheus. Talk about a show that people were just like, forget it, forget it. We're not going to talk about it. It's so good. It is good. It's It's really good. good. Also, one. It's it's just tough. It's just tough to watch like a couple of those. One of the coolest things the Emmys have has ever done was giving the award to uh, to Louis Anderson, Anderson, which on paper sounds like a stunt thing, but you watch that performance and that's a very specific, very understated weird performance. Okay, Bridges. Okay, Bridges. Spies. The opening scene is so fucking good. This is fucking screenwriting. Examine it. The scene where he's talking with the guy, he's an insurance lawyer. That's all he does. Yeah. And he's explained that his client who started a 10-car crash pileup, right? Um, not pileup, but a 10-car he, crash. He, he's, his client who, no, it's knocked over five motorcyclists. Okay. That's what, his, that's what Hanks' client did. Right. And he's saying, this guy did one thing. Right. The guy goes, your it's client did five accident. things. an accident. And he goes, if you get a strike... You, ten in, things in bowling, didn't happen. One right, thing happened. Right, right. And the guy's like, "Excuse me, I'm representing five aggrieved people." Right, and he's like, each it, of which had a bad thing happen to them. Right, and he says, "Your guy," and Tommy Hanks goes, "Not my guy." Not my guy. Not, Not my, my guy. guy. Yeah. And it tells you like everything about this character is set up here. What's his thing? Whatever case he's on, he's going to take seriously. He knows the law inside and out. Right. Okay. But it's very clear that he's just he's a lawyer for hire. 
He doesn't respect his guy. That's the differentiation, you know? Not my guy. But what does he respect, Griffin? The law. The rule book. Yes. Loves the rule book. book. He loves the rule book. And so they give him this case and they go, look, represent this guy. Don't do too good of a job, but do a good enough job. They don't even say that. They just say, just give him his day in court. It's kind of inferred. Hanks immediately is like, hey, I need more time for this case because, you you know, you've got a mountain of evidence here. And the judge, played by Dakin Matthews, who is in Lincoln. So good in this. Extremely good in this. He's good in Lincoln, too, but he's really good in this. Also gives an amazing, tiny supporting performance in True Grit. Oh, he's fantastic and true grit. He's the guy who what tells her. What a great her, movie. Yeah, he's the guy who tells her to go to Rooster Cogburn. Yeah. And he has that series of lines where he's describing Rooster Cogburn. Dakin Matthews has the great, this great sing-songy voice. Yeah. He's got this sort of English accent, um, like quasi-English accent to his yeah. voice. And he's it, it, there's something just judgmental about everything he says. There's something like perfectly judgmental. Well, there's the moment in True Grit where he's recommending uh, Rooster Cogburn to her. And he takes a deep pause and he goes, he likes to pull the cork. <laughs> and it's just like in his tone, you know, everything about like he tried to find the simplest, right. least aggressive way to say to, that to he's say a this fucking drunk. To, uh, to a 14 year old. He likes to pull old. the cork. Yeah. Um, love Dakin. Love him. He's in yeah. Gilmore Girls. Uh, he's great. But uh, everyone so- keeps on going like, OK, congratulations. Yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah, shown yeah, us yeah, that you're yeah, giving you're him. You're a lawyer. Quote, we unquote, get it. A fair trial. And it's just they are pushing the envelope, maybe not quite as extremely as like, you know, a, com- a country that would do a show trial. But yeah. still, where they're just like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like the judge is essentially saying, like, will you get out of here so I can like convict this man? Right. And to him, it's like, what's different about this guy from a dude who caused a motorcycle accident? Like, I don't personally like that guy either. Yeah. But I'm an insurance lawyer. He's covered by our insurance policy. I have to find out the way to best defend him. Uh-huh. Okay, they don't have a search warrant for the apartment. Yeah, so now he's all the complaining about the out. warrant. You right. can't have this. Like, the warrant doesn't apply here because it's not his. And the, the, the judge is like, huh? Like, no, what shut the up. What fuck are you talking about? Yeah, well, we, we got it. He's a spy. Did you hear that this guy's a Soviet spy? Now, I know we're moving fast because there's a lot of movie to cover, but we let's take a step back and go to the, the first Abel Donovan scene. Well, that's a very important scene because right. it's where Abel's getting out of Shinebox, or he's telling Hanks to get out of Shinebox. Yeah. Yeah. Because Abel himself has a real guard. He's, you know, right. a spy. and it He's kind been of- interrogated, so obviously he's closed off, you know. What is kind of inferred through the movie is this is a man who did what he needed to do to survive. And more than that, keep his family safe. Yeah. Right? He doesn't seem to, much like Donovan, Yeah, I think he's just a man who's good at his job. He doesn't yeah. personally care about advancing the Russian cause. Yeah. But he has a Russian wife and it's trying times and he does what he needs to do. So he just kind of has this guard Maybe. Up. I don't know. That That's not quite. But anyway, carry on. It doesn't feel like he has a political investment in it. Mm-hmm. But the movie exists in a gray area. You don't know. Yeah. Right? These things are kind of inferred. And so he's just got this thing where it's like, look, I know what you're going to do. You're going to fucking rake me over the coals. And Donovan goes out of his way to explain, like, I work for you. I don't work for the government. You know? All this sort of stuff. Yeah. And Rylance is kind of testing him and says, like, can I get some stuff to draw with? And he goes, like, no, I can't give you stuff to draw with. Right. And Rylance says the, like, if one of your American spies... You'd want them treated well. Right. Now, this feels like Rylance trying to game him a little bit, right? Sure, sure. I mean, he's trying to, like, use... Let's call him Sir Mark Rylance. Sir Mark Rylance. But this kind of hits Hanks, where he just realizes in that moment, like, right, this is a guy who's good at his job. Sure. And he respects that. And 
you know, and this is a movie that's coming out while you know debate is still raging over Guantanamo Bay. Yes, still raging over how we treat enemy combatants. Mm-hmm. Still raging over our general treatment of like people we arrest who are not citizens of this country. And just yeah. recently, our president is uh, promoting torture. So yeah, continue. I mean, that's the element of this movie that made me want to cry. Yeah. Over and over it's again. like, you know, it's just, you see this movie, it's like, what a refreshing representation of patriotism. Yeah. And uh, it's not, but then at the same time, it's not like the movie is sweet, uh, you know, uh, is uh, glazing over the fact that like, in the 50s and 60s, we were up to all kinds of like dodgy shit. Okay. And we were messing with the Constitution like left and right. And I also love that, and it's similar to Lincoln in this respect, the reason he's doing this is because he takes his job seriously. Yeah. It's not that he's, you know, uh, Martin not, Luther King. Right, he doesn't he's come not, in here being like, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to make sure this guy has, you know, yeah, he's not an I, idealist. Because that's another thing that he keeps saying in the movie. Every person matters. Every person matters, and he just wants to get home and get in bed. Right, right. Oh, okay, God. so the fucking right. bath. So, so he enables, like, look, he gets the shine box out. Yeah, and then there are a series of other scenes. You see them talking, and they start to warm up to each other as much as Abel can warm up to anybody. Yeah. You know, he starts getting a sense of who Abel is, seeing that he is deep down a decent man, and uh, you know, but it still mostly is professionalism. <laughs> We're both just like smiling, talking about this movie. <laughs> this movie's so lovely. <laughs> And uh, and then you know, standing um, man. Uh, no, no, no. Well, you know, Abel sentenced. Uh, Hanks goes to Dakin Matthews, Judge Matthews, and yeah. pleads like, "Hey, don't execute this guy. You might need a chip, essentially, for when one of our guys gets captured." That's yeah. his like pragmatic argument here, right? Uh, and the movie doesn't like have some scene with him and Amy Ryan, you know, who plays his wife mm-hmm. in a somewhat thankless role. Um, yeah. Where he's like, I really like this guy, you know, like, yeah. but you get it, you know, you get that maybe he's right when he says, like, I mean, of course he's right, and he turns out to be absolutely right, but you know that he also kind of just likes the guy. Yeah, but but we're introduced. I mean, to, he's his lawyer. Yeah. Lawyers are supposed to make make it that you don't get electrocuted. Right. Like, you know, that's that's part of their job. That's his job, and he takes the law very seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think it's the first scene with Amy Ryan, which is the dinner conversation. So he's Billy Magnuson, who's really good in the first 30 minutes. Billy Magnuson, who is going to hit at some point. At some point. Already a great stage actor, great in Into the Woods. Like, you know, he's been really great in The Meddler. Really great in The Meddler. He's been popping up. Yes. What else has he been in? I don't want to look. Uh, Uh, He played uh, Kato Kalin in People vs. OJ Simpson. And great in The Big Short for a couple scenes. Oh, right. Yes. uh, With um, Max Uh, Greenfield. Schmidt. Uh, yeah, just 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 a great young actor. He's who's... an incredibly handsome actor with a character actor's yeah, range. He, he's 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 sticking it to, to Hanks Jr. He's sticking it to to daughter Hanks. Which I love the way they fucking deal with. I this. love the way they deal with it. They don't acknowledge it publicly yep. Yep. ever. Not yep. even at the end. Like Hanks gets home and really Agnesson is like, I'm gonna. But you know that Hanks figures it out, right? Yes. When he says my associate. Yeah, like two hours into the movie, do you you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, you know, know what, what I'm talking, talking about. about. Yeah. So Billy Magnuson is Hanks's junior like buddy, you know, over eager, tripping over his feet, yeah. and he makes him, you know, he's he's he, he has a little fun with him and makes it he so goes, it's like you, you got to go over. You these... can stay late tonight, right? Yeah. And he's like, I had a date, and Hanks is like, you can stay late, right? And he's like, yeah, no, of course I could stay late, okay, right? And it cuts to Hanks. Hanks gets home, and he starts talking about, hey, they want me to take this. I love how we're just calling him Hanks. I know. He he wants me to take this case, and they go, are you going to do it? And he goes, well, I'm not sure. I'm weighing over it. This is before he's met the guy. So he's got no shine yet, right? 
And he's just in love That's with the true. legal process. And he starts explaining to him, like, every person deserves a fair trial. And he goes, what if they're not American? He goes, what are the principles of this country? You know, he's going on about all this stuff. And then a beautiful, beautiful fucking Spielberg setup, right? Where it's like gesture, minimal, you know, like a, a bare minimum of shots explains uh-huh. the entire dynamic where Billy Magnuson uh, walks in, right? Sure. Carrying a bunch of files. Sure. It is a close-up of... And all, we've already established the girl got stood up. Oh, the right. daughter got stood like, up. What are you She's doing home mad. tonight? She got stood up. Like, I she's got, got her hair up. in curlers, maybe, or something. I can't remember. Like, maybe not, but, like, yeah. And let's also mention the daughter is Bono Jr. Is that right? Yeah. I it's didn't Eve know Houston, that. She who's is Bono's daughter. adorable. Yes, she is. Uh, in the name of Eve. Eve. She's in the Nick. Yeah, That's what I know her from. Yeah. She plays the nurse. Yeah, there's only one nurse in yeah, the, the Nick. one. I thought the show was called The Nurse. It's called The Nick? It's Are you called sure? The Nick. Okay. Not to be confused with The Mick, a title that should not be on network television today. Oh, yeah, boy. Why? What's wrong with that? <laughs> okay, well, apart from the fact that it's a racial slur, yeah. they've enjoyed the, um, uh, someone got slipped a Mickey or whatever, like, you know, they've been doing that a lot in the taglines. It's like, no, 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 no. Hey, no. Yeah, hey, I'm me- Irish, so I could say this, but uh-huh. I heard the working title was The Donkey. Okay, great. <laughs> I laughed. Five comedy points. Um, economy of, of fucking storytelling, right? Uh, uh, what are you doing home? Uh, I got stood up. Well, whoever that stood you up is an idiot, right? Uh, I believe I, what's the word. He uses a great word. Yes, he does. And I'm butchering it. You are. And then, of course, Magnuson comes in. Okay, and here's her the, face. Here's the setup. Oh. You, it's a close-up of her. You see in the background the door open. She looks over her cor- uh, shoulder to see who it is. Catches him just out of the corner of her eye, and the second she notices it's him, snaps back to position. Yeah. And they hold on her facial expression, and it tells you fucking everything. There's no discussion. Hanks doesn't clock it. It seems like he doesn't clock it in this moment. Billy Magnuson doesn't. There isn't a close-up where he mouths, I'm sorry to her. Right, right, right. He doesn't put paprika on the sandwich. There's no paprika on this sandwich. I'm glad you're using that, because, you know, you were skeptical when I used that in the split episode. But now I like it. It's good shorthand. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it, it shortens my rants significantly yeah. if I have a term I can Too use. Too much on the sandwich in some movies. Not Stevie Spielberg. Mm-hmm. He takes it out of the spice rack. Just a sprinkle back in the rack. And it's all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that I yelled that so loud. We're back. Back in the Spielberg rack. Is that what the Paprika sings? Yeah. Remember when Paprika was a character on Blue's Clues? Yes. <laughs> when Salt and Pepper had Paprika as a child. That episode blew my <laughs> it was mind. Crazy. It was crazy. Um, Spice is fucking? Are you kidding me? That is weird. <laughs> uh, but then, way later in the movie, and I yeah. just want to get this over yes. with, the, Hanks is recalling something about uh, who is it? Someone's the same age as as Billy Powers. Magnuson's Not Powers. Character. I'm sorry. The student. Yeah, uh, Pryor. Frederick Pryor yes. is 25 years old. Yes. And and Hanks goes like, oh, same age as... Um, what is, I don't even know Magnuson's, uh, Doug, Doug. Yeah. And the CIA guy's like, who? And he's and he sort of stops and he's just like, ah, my associate. And you get that Hanks is like, oh, I get who this kid is to me. You know, like, I yes. get what this kid could be my future son-in-law. Yes. That's when he realizes yeah. it. There's another parallel with the German kid as well. We're, t- we're talking German about German kid? Wait, which German kid? The uh, German uh, kid who is uh, working at the offices oh, 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 yes, of the West yes, Ber- yes, uh, Berlin ben, government. Yes, absolutely. I'm yeah. sorry is, I was dismissed. Who is that actor? Um, so good. He's great. He's, he's so in good. another thing. Uh, I know that guy. I know that man. I know this man. All right, keep talking, guys. Um, what I like about the way that this is used is it's just another color on the palette. Yeah. You know, this is a movie that feels 
very expansive in just that every character is a person. Every person matters. Every life is valid. And there's so much happening around it. But it keeps the story very focused, all considering, right? Sure. But it just feels like the boundaries of this film, much like something like Star Wars, you know, where we talk about the thing that makes Star Wars so great is that all these little things happening in the background, all these characters seem to have these backstories. Uh, to have a drama, you know, that takes place in the real world, yes. where its humanism feels that broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, totally. is I'm, I'm with you 100 percent of the way. I'm really just trying to figure out who this fucking German kid okay. is. Okay. Um, so that's all set up. That all happens. Abel dodges the electric chair. Well, he goes uh, to, to him. some controversy. I already said that. I no, but there's the standing man scene happens right after this. Oh, and then yes, before yeah. they decide before that he's the not going to electric. Yeah. He goes. I think we have grounds for a mistrial. And Abel kind of just like. He's Abel gets it more than Hanks does, right. more than Donovan does. Abel's which he's like, like, what? The, why the fuck are you, are you fighting me? For me? Like, yeah, this is crazy. I'm going to jail. And he gives this incredible monologue. That's probably what wins him the Oscar, right? I mean, this, this is his Oscar speech. Is his Oscar speech? The whole performance is I mean, immaculate. Yeah, but, but this, sure. This is his Oscar speech where sure. he gives the speech about. Uh, you remind me of someone. There's this man who used to come over for dinner a lot. My parents would say, look at this man. This is an extraordinary man. I never Watch saw him this do. Man. Watch this man. I never Watch saw him do man. anything extraordinary. Right. And Hanks goes like, oh, thanks for the compliment. Right. He goes, and then one day they come over. They start beating, you know? Yeah. They throw my parents on the ground. They throw him down the ground. They beat him. And he gets back up. Right. And they beat him even harder. And he still gets back up. And eventually they stop and they leave. Right. And uh, and I think it was because he kept standing. Right. Strike a music. Come strike a music. It, it means standing man. Right. It roughly means standing man. And the Thomas Newman music swells. Which I think, we've argued about this before, yeah. I think the score is pretty Newman by the numbers. I don't think it's a particularly good score. Williams didn't do it because sure. it's the first time Williams hadn't worked with Spielberg and so He was long. having health problems. No, it's because he was, oh, uh, maybe. But, I mean, he was also busy with Star Wars. I believe he was having health problems, and because of that, he only had time to do Star sure. Wars. I mean, Williams is slower than he used to be. Yes. I think, uh, I think this soundtrack is a fucking jam. It's okay. It's fuck music for me. I light a candle. I put on Bridge of Spies. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad I looked up who the German secretary boy uh-huh. is. And Max Moff, he's insensate, people. He's oh. Felix. He's the little rat face guy who's buddy with Dick Boy. Remember? He's the friend of Dick Boy. Yeah. He gets shot. He's in like every episode. Yes, he is. He was great on it. He should have shown his dick. But then we would have remembered Yeah, I should have gotten that dick out, too. Should have gotten that dick. Ouch, should have slipped the dick out. I'm getting a phone call. Romley's calling me. I'll pick up later. Uh, what's up with what Romley? if I answered on, on the podcast? I mean, that'd be kind of like a lame gimmick. Right, I don't think that's worth doing. Um, so uh, the the Newman score swells, and and the camera you know pushes in on Hanks. Sure. And we get, you know, this is when the movie's really starting to frame him as an everyday hero. Right. You know? Sure. So he makes, he's made this plea to Deacon Matthews. Mm-hmm. And in a very controversial ruling, it works. And people flip the fuck out. They're right. screaming in court. They're throwing shit, you know? Right. And he it says to Alda, like, you know, I, I think, you know, he's still trying to work it and says we can get this overturned. Sure. And Alan Alda, who we haven't talked about yet, but plays his boss, the guy who assigns him the thing, and really right. only has, like, three scenes. Yeah. But, you know, always a welcome presence in a film. Uh, Alan so, Alda says, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. Yeah. He calls him Hanks, which is weird. It is that weird. They kept that, he does that take in. Yeah. And he's like, tell me right now that <laughs> there aren't grounds to overturn the ruling. And right. if you tell me that, I'll drop it right now. And he's like, you know that's not what I'm saying. Right. But what what's the fucking end game here? Right. What's the point here? Every person matters. It's the end game. 
He doesn't say that. And the I, rules. And the rules. At this point, has Hanks? Hanks has been followed by the CIA. Oh, we he confronts to bring this up. the CIA agent who is Matthew played Shepard? in a fantastic performance. Yeah, uh, that's his name, right? Uh, Something yeah, Shepard. I'm just double checking. Yes, I, th- I might be getting his first name wrong. Um, he's a great stage actor. A lot of good stage actors. In he's this from movie. the Elevator Service. That's right. Right. Uh, Scott Shepard is Scott Shepard. Sorry, I knew it wasn't Matthew. For Matt Shepard is uh, Elevator yes. Repair yeah. Service uh, Theater Company. Right. He and he and he says to him, and the guy is essentially saying, to him, "Like, why the fuck do you care about this guy?" Uh, you know, he's a Soviet spy, and Hanks is like, "You're German, right? Like uh, German extraction." Yes. I'm Irish. Mother and father, both parents. I like how he says that. He says mother and father, both parents. As yeah. if we don't. <laughs> the language is so good in this It is, movie. it is. Yeah. And he's like, what makes us Americans, though, is the rules, is the Constitution. That's what makes us Americans. Yeah. Look, I don't care if you think this is schmaltzy. It's not schmaltzy. It's inspirational. Because the whole point is. It's genuinely is... inspirational. Not like a dog's purpose inspiration. Exactly. The whole, exactly. Because the whole point is, he, he's not. He doesn't triumph per se. He wins a small battle right. in a large war. It's what it's emblematic of. Exactly. It's what it represents, what he represents, which is the idea of that's what America was founded to be. <laughs> right? Yes. Welcome all comers. Take them Ugh. in. Try to treat those with the respect that you would want to be treated with. Yes. So now on this thread of conversation, I'm so excited. I hope that we can finally get to when he is in Germany and, and East Berlin. Hey, Ben, are you uh, trying to move us along? Yes. Yes, okay. I am. Right. So but I'm just saying is the relationship between uh, Hanks and then the German official that he meets with. Dude. It's so Dude. amazing. Okay. So let me like, just let me uh, just bridge the gap. Let me bridge the gap. Pun intended. Uh, they uh, send Rylance to jail. Rylance goes to jail. And we've been seeing concurrently these, uh, these sort of brief scenes of Gary Powers and Jesse Plemons as yes. well, you know, like these these uh, American soldiers being some pilots being selected to fly U two spy missions, uh, you know, spy planes. Their planes called m- the article. It has hi- highly powerful cameras, and they're going to fly over territory and, and try to get s- photos. Some good shit from Michael Gaston as yeah. uh, as um, their boss. He's I love that actor. He's, yeah, he's always good. Uh, some bad shit from Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, who in general is a fuckboy. Yeah, but he's not good, in this mood, but I'm just saying he does bad stuff. Love good, Gaston. good character. No, no one fights like this. But he does bad stuff. That is true. No one does fight Austin like Stowell is Francis Gary Powers, who's like one of those, I don't even know that actor, but like one of those things Spielberg obviously is just like perfect. You got the look. The right attitude. He's in Dolphin Tale. And they, you see all this sort of briefing of like, they give him the dollar. Do not be afraid to use the dollar. To spend the dollar. To, to, right? kill, to kill yourself if right. you get captured. Wait, right. Anyway, so, I, so this is brief. He gets captured. Francis Gary Powers shot down over, over enemy lines. He doesn't kill himself. Doesn't kill himself. He's put on show trial in the, you see it like a brief, very cool shot. Yeah. Of the show trial where like the camera zooms out and like there's the Soviet and banners. And canted low Everyone, angle. It all looks surreal. Everyone stands at the yes. same time when the verdict is read and like, uh, and so it's basically like they've got one of our guys now. Right. And the, and, the, yes. the scenario he predicted has come to pass. The sequence of powers getting shot down is, is just a good Spielberg action sequence. Fantastic Spielberg action sequence where there's like, he's not, all he's trying to do is blow up the plane. Like, yes. And that it's, yeah, he turns that into, that was like 40% of the trailer. Right. Because they try to make the trailer basically like a pilot, like getting shot over and right. lines. And movie. they play like basic trailer thriller yeah, music yeah, yeah. over that. Um, but I also feel like I like the way, I've seen the movie four times now. And every time I read the scene differently as to whether Powers just doesn't get the opportunity to kill himself uh-huh. or doesn't have the courage to do it. 
And well, I no think one the, knew, right? That's what's great. Yeah. That's what's great and about the way they did it. Power says, much later as we began this yes. podcast with, he says, I didn't tell him anything. And Tom Hanks is like, look, no one's going to believe you, but. Doesn't matter. Whatever you think, buddy. Doesn't matter. You know what you did. That's Back what, in the rack. That's the other thing about this movie is it's like, doesn't matter what people think about you. It's about knowing that you can live with yourself because you did the right thing. I wish I'd come up with Back in the Rack at the start of this podcast series because then for any time Spielberg puts the spice back in the rack, we, we could use it. It's back, a great... Back in the Spielberg rack. <laughs> it's a great shorthand. Yeah. Just like Too Much for Preak in the Sandwich is great shorthand. I mean, we've got... If, and if nothing else, this series has established two great shorthands <laughs> that we can now apply to any director. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, I think some of our next directors, maybe, they don't put the paprika back in the rack. <laughs> Not so easily. Oh, I mean. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they do a lot of just emptying the paprika. Yeah, I would say some of our next directors dump the entire rack yeah. into the pot. <laughs> yeah, they never in, had a rack. In, they just in, have a trough. Right, including the actual rack. The wooden rack is in the pot as well. All right, so. Okay, so, so uh, Donovan. is being threatened a lot at this point. Hey, yeah, people come, is, they shoot up. That's made up, and I don't like that they include that scene. I think it's I, too I think much. It was. Yeah, um, but so now, uh, government agencies come to him. It's our friend, old poopy diaper himself. Oh, that's right. Peter McRobbie as Alan Dulles, the, uh, director of the CIA. He goes, here's the deal. And this is like the movie's now at like the hour mark, right? Yep. In a two hour, 20 minute movie. Yep. He goes, here's the deal. Powers have been kidnapped. Looks like you were right. He's, P- Peter McRobbie is fantastic in this yep. scene. Because he's got that kind of, oh, well, you know, he's not your guy or our guy, and you're not our guy. You're your guy. But, of course, you're our guy. And so Hanks keeps being like, "What's the? Where's where are the lies here? Like, what you know, what is my fiction that I'm going to be establishing in this whole negotiation? But this is also the first scene where Hanks says, what about my guy? What about he refers my guy? to Abel as right. his guy. This is a big emotional turning point, right? Fair point. Um, and he goes, you got to go over there and negotiate this. Now, here's the problem. I don't know if you know this. Berlin, a <laughs> little crazy. A little right dicey. Now. They appear to be building a wall, which is an objectively terrible idea, P.S. Yeah, for any country to do. Agreed. Uh, the walling off East Berlin. So, he's, you know, if you guys don't know, after World War II, Berlin, uh, Germany and set was bisected, and, you know, there was East and West states, one governed by the Western hemisphere by the Allies that was capitalist, and the Eastern Germany was very Soviet, and Berlin itself, which was in East Germany, was divided in half as well. And the Berlin airlift would bring in supplies. From the West, for West Berlin. Uh huh. You should have said spoilers before that. True. Spoiler alert: uh, East and West Germany. <laughs> spoiler alert. If you're watching any movie that takes place before like the the mid sixties, sure. it's a big spoiler. Hey, don't worry though. The wall does come down. Uh, bring down but the spoilers, fall. Ben. Oh shit! Sorry. That doesn't happen until Bridge of Spies Four. Bridge of Spies Four. Yeah. Hyper Hasselhoff. Yeah. Hyper- <laughs> yeah. Hyperbridge. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So as Hanks is arriving, the wall is being built. Right. And a uh, student, Frank uh, Powers. Uh, no, Jesus. No, Pryor. Uh, Pryor. Frederick Pryor. Frederick Pryor. He's an American student who's studying. Played by Will Rogers. Uh, as an American student who's studying like Soviet capitalism. I mean, sorry, Soviet economics. Um, he takes his bike over the wall to retrieve his professor, seems to be his mentor. But also then you realize, up. oh, his young pretty daughter, there's clearly like, oh, yeah, this is a father figure, this is a, a love interest. I mean, the reason Spielberg lays all the, you know, the power scenes yeah. and the prior scenes in there is because he wants this to be these to be real people. You know, Every the, the scene where Pryor's thesis is seized from him yeah. is, is just makes you like the guy more. Because on the page, right. like to the CIA agents, to Shepard's character, uh, whose name is Agent Hoffman, uh, he's like, Fucking this prior kid, he's an idiot. He was in East Berlin in the 60s studying, like, Soviet, like, uh, economic. Who, what, what kind yeah. of a fucking, it's kind of like how now you hear, like, 
oh, some guy like went to Syria because he thought he could save the world and he got like kidnapped by ISIS. And you're right. like, well, I feel bad for him, but what the hell was he doing over there? You know, you know it's not safe over there right now. Well, it's like, why that dickhead ride his bike over the wall <laughs> as they were putting the bricks up? And what's the answer? In the name <laughs> of love. Very true. And also her professor death. Um... So he thinks he's going to be able to get back over and that whatever. he's the key to getting gets, them back because he's American okay. and it doesn't this work. Is, this is historically fudge. It's not how it actually happened, okay. but it doesn't matter. So now, the, so now, so the Hanks is like, oh, this starts. kid, we got to deal with this kid as well. And the CIA is like, no, no, don't worry about that kid. Don't worry about that now, kid. That's a distraction. Kids. Each one is on a different side of the, the wall. The CIA is like, we want our guy, Powers, who is a military asset, so he might know shit. And you're going to give up Abel, who's their military asset, so they might want him. We can get Pryor later. Pryor's just a student. He's not important to us. Hanks doesn't like that. Hanks doesn't like that. And Every also, the, C- the CIA understands that because East Germany has Pryor rather than the Soviet Union, even though they are connected yeah. countries, East Germany's going to try and muscle in, you know, and okay. be like, hey, hey, we got, hey, you want a student? No, hey, hey, check it out. I'm having so much fun talking it's about this It's a great movie. movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, good. So movie. now it becomes what, what you- Movie two. Have heard are- the most uh, Cohen affected stretches of the movie. Yeah, those a series of backdoor scenes. negotiations, which are really great. And you, he's with all these very unscrutable people. So Mikhail Gorovoy, who's like this great Russian actor, he's the guy who plays and one of my favorite characters in the movie. The um, you know, the 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 Soviet, yes. the guy who's like, um, oh, I'm, I'm you know second secretary of East German you know embassy, no big deal. And then like he goes. Hanks goes back to Shepard. Yeah. He's like, that guy's like the head of the KGB in Germany. Like, that guy is yeah. not a nobody. And that uh, guy, he's a, almost a little too friendly, where you're thrown sure. off by how uh, sociable he seems to where, be. Whereas Hanks is like, can we just, let's look. Yeah. This is easy. Abel, I've got Abel. You've got, and this is where I was watching with Joanna. Joanna went, whoa, yeah. is what he's like. You've got uh, Powers and you've got Pryor. Abel for them, perfect, right? Yeah. He just sort of drops it in there. Yeah. You know, for the two of them. Yeah, and it goes, no, 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 no. No, wait, uh, we only have powers, and prior, he's, he's in East Germany, you know, I have no, you know. Right. And also, he keeps going, like, oh, yours is the impatient plan. Like, why must we rush? But he's, like, pouring him a whiskey, and he's being friendly, and he's leaning forward, and it's got a nice sort of vibe to him. On the other side Definitely. of the wall is Sebastian Koch, who is Sebastian Koch's all a great business. actor uh, yes. from The Life of Others, from many other German movies mm-hmm. you might have seen. Yeah, who's playing Wolfgang Vogel. Right, and he's very curt. He's very cold. Uh, who is, yes, an East German lawyer. Yes. Who is curtain cold and is trying essentially to be like a big player in this whole uh, dynamic. Right. They're trying to be like, we are a real country. We are East, the you know German Democratic yes. Republic. We are uh, negotiating with America who thus must take us seriously. Yes. We must be a real country if you're negotiating with right. us. And we have a guy to exchange. And Hanks keeps going like, well, I'm not a, like, I'm just a private citizen. And they're like, no, 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 you're not. No, you're yeah. not. You're an American diplomat. I That's what you are. I don't country. Yeah. yeah. I'm just here for my guy. And, when, but it becomes my guys. When you realize that, like, the tension of the movie is so wrapped up in, like, this these performances that the countries are trying to yeah. give. Yeah. Whereas the Soviet Union essentially is like. I mean, yeah, sure, we'll take Abel, and he's fine. This is no big deal. And, like, the Germans are like, this is a very big deal. Well, and that's the thing. This movie becomes a film. In order for this story to work, it has to do two things. One, every scene has to be perfectly this written. This is our speed racer. Right? For Spielberg. Yeah. One, every scene has to be perfectly written. Two, every performance has to be perfectly measured. Right? Because every scene's about leaning forward and going like, 
God, I can't get a read on this person. Mm-hmm. And every syllable, every movement shifting the power dynamics of whether or not he's making progress or not, right? Right. Because now you're getting to a lot of just conversations and big comfy chairs. Uh, great comfy chairs, by the way. And then there is that also, this is the scene I've definitely been told was a Cohen scene. Yeah. Is the scene where Donovan is like introduced to Abel's family. Right. And they are these three like sort of cartoonish like babushkas who are like, oh, we love him. Like, you know, is he safe? Now, earlier in the movie, when uh, Donovan goes to visit Right, the whole overture Abel, is made from like a, a letter from, quote unquote, Abel's wife. And this is the post-sentencing jail. Yeah. He reads the letter and he goes like, this is an imposter. This is not fake. even close to my wife. So Hanks yeah. is already on guard about that. Right. And on either side, on one side, they hire the actors where it's like, talk about too much paprika in the sandwich. These people are ham sandwiching fucking like crazy. Right? That's true. Yeah. It's then a honey baked ham. On the other side, Sebastian Koch mm-hmm. mixes up the name of the daughter and the wife. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, both these sides are trying to use the family. Right. And Hank starts to worry at this point, like, wait, what do they think of Abel? Because they keep on going, like, maybe you've just gotten all the information you need out of him. Right. And that's why you're ready to give him back to us. And he right. goes, like, I can tell you, he was a good soldier. He's not told me anything. And right. He's because like, Hanks is also quietly worried yes. that when he gives Abel back to the Soviet Union, that yes. they'll kill him or Abel's they'll his imprison guy. him. Abel's his guy. All people matter. Now, we've forgotten the most important thing in this movie which is he gets to Berlin and they're, uh, suddenly everything is really difficult. He goes, they show him the shitty, uh, like, He's unheated in shitty apartment. apartment. And meanwhile, the CA are hanging out at the Hilton. Right. And they go, uh, here, memorize this address, get back to us. He goes, okay, cool. And they went, no, I mean now. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to take a it. map right. because then they'll think you're a spy. Like, here's right. what you have to do. And he goes out on the first day to do the negotiations and some kids mug him for his coat. And some kids take his coat in a really good scene. Really good. Really good scene where there's no threat. Yes. There's no subtitling this on the German. This movie has zero subtitles at any point, right? Correct. Beautiful. Which is great. Anytime someone's speaking a language, you feel like Donovan where you don't understand You feel a little, yeah. And Donovan speaks like a little German. Denka, Denka. Uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so what does he get? He gets cold. It's snowy. He gets a little cold. He gets cold. And this is what elevates Hanks' performance, which at this point has just been fucking solid as shit mm-hmm. to like a fucking master class in acting. Yeah. Because Hanks plays the second half of the movie. He's just wearing down. With a head cold. Yeah. And and it's so underplayed. It is. Uh, it's, this is a master class in sniffles. It is. Yes. <laughs> because he doesn't fucking overdo it. And I'm watching scenes, right? And I'm like, you know, as an actor who's not good at managing my own life, right? Uh-huh. I'll watch like things I'm in and I'll go like, oh, right. That's that day where I didn't get enough sleep the night before and my eyes look like this. Or I'm noticing that I'm, my reaction times are slow, right? Yeah. And I now look for that in other performances. Where I'm like, oh, that feels like they maybe were sick that day or they had less time to work on that scene or whatever it was, right? Yeah. Some of these scenes, it just feels like, man, Hanks looks shitty. Was he just like out late mm-hmm. the night before? And then like four to five minutes into a dialogue scene, he'll take out a handkerchief cold. and do a little sniffle. And you're like, oh, right. He's just he's just, just putting a little bit in there, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit of edge. And that's where he just starts saying in all these negotiations, look, I have a cold. I just want to go I home. Was stolen. I just want to go home. And get into bed. I just want to get. I'm into not bed. trying to do anything bigger. I don't right, work for like, the government. Why the rush? Why the rush? And he's yeah. like, "Look, I just I appreciate everything we're doing here, but I'm just a guy doing his job." So you have Soviets mm-hmm. who are a little coy, but are essentially like, "Sure, able for powers." Yeah, fine. Yeah, you got the Germans who are very uptight and are like not able for powers, able for prior, and not able for powers and prior. Only Abel's for prior. Abel for prior. You're a rug salesman. You're selling two people the same rug. And he goes, uh, rock no, salesman, he says. Yes. Rock salesman. 
Yes. Uh, and uh, and then you have the CIA Shepard, who are like, oh, Why you know what's are weird? You fucking with Pryor, able for powers, great. I watch the movie with subtitles because, like, especially with rewatching movies, sometimes I like to be able to physically, like, visually look at no, the yeah, language. Sure, sure, sure. They, they they say rock. Or they subtitled they... as rug. I'm pretty sure it's rock salesman. See, I think so too. In the previous times I'd seen this movie without subtitles, I thought it was rock. I think maybe whoever just subtitled did a bad job. I mean, that that happens all the time. Yeah. You'll see all kinds of weird, especially with heavy accents. Um, maybe it is rug. I don't know. I don't know. He's a salesman selling two people the same thing. And it gets back to this point of, no, not two things, one thing. Yeah. Both of you are getting the thing you want, and right. I'm getting something from each of you. But this is mutually beneficial to everybody. Yes. But he doesn't like the idea that he's becoming a secondary adjunct part of this deal. He wants to be making the deal. Yeah. No, the whole point is that the the correctly, the East Germans understand right. that they're being treated like a junior partner. You give me There's, one thing, I give you one thing. Don't have another thing happening in the back. There are the great scenes with Sebastian Koch, but then there's also uh, the scene with, uh, his name is Berghardt Klauner, or something yeah. like Klausner, maybe, uh, who is the sort of, the uh, higher up in the German Democratic, like the Attorney General. Yeah. And that scene where he's just like, no, it's nice. It's good. You want, uh, you want Pryor. We have Pryor. He's a young man. Young man. Good. And he's then, really playing it right. And Hanks is like, yeah, no, but the two. And he goes like, no. <laughs> <He goes down. laughs> like, and the thing. And then the phone rings. And he picks up a phone, and there's yeah. nothing. And then he picks up another phone. It, it's <laughs> so, so good. This one is so funny too. It is. It's weirdly funny. With never like you know. It, it, no, there's lots of funny little moments like, like when Hanks orders the two breakfasts. Yeah. Ugh. He's so hungry. Yeah. He wants the two breakfasts at the same time. And that's where this movie feels really cool. That's kind of a, I never got that. That's a joke about the movie. He yeah. gets, the, he wants, he's like, I'll have a continental breakfast and the American breakfast. And they're like, one after the other. And he's like, at the same time. Yeah. Just like Powers and Pryor. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, can you deliver that them both the checkpoints? Five stars. <laughs> yeah. Five and a half stars. <laughs> one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> that breakfast, though. That he breakfast, orders the breakfast. Though. He's so desperate. He's got a cold. He's fucking tired. He's been staying at the shit flop house. And now he's at the Hill team, though he's not supposed to be because he goes, you know what? I'm fucking tired of this. I'm going to eat a nice breakfast. And they immediately tell him, like. Yeah, the CIA come and they're like, oh, great, 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 great. It'll just be power for powers for um, Abel. Great. That means we don't have to even tell you that stupid message we got where it was like, they'll do, the Germans will do it too. They said they'll do it, but, but disregard no, forget that. It, forget it. And Hanks immediately goes like, God damn it. I'm not going to eat this breakfast. I yeah, have to go. Hanks is and like, goodbye. Like, Stay, what? You're not even going to fucking eat this? Well, uh, why would you? Because he's got to do his job. He's got to do his job. And so they line it all up, right? One of them, they're going to go to the titular Bridge of Spies. They're going to go to, they never call it the Bridge of Spies. I think, but there's a plaque on it that says the Bridge of Spies. It's weird no, that it was it's always called bridge. that. No, I don't think so. Doesn't Glinky mean of spies? <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you sure about that? Yes, it's named after like the Glinky Palace. Google like, that. I think I'm right I about that. I literally this. Googled it. You are wrong. You are dead wrong. Okay, well, alternative facts. <laughs> oh, boy. You were just doing that. Uh, uh, no, they want it to go. Oh, they actually changed the name. Oh, so that's what it is. Now it's now called, it's called up spies. of Spies. That's what it is, David. So I was right all along. Reporters began calling it the Bridge of Spies. Five fact so that... points. Thank you. Five fact points. Uh, so they're like, yeah, let's do it on this secret little bridge over here. Right. Not so, Checkpoint Charlie, which is the main crossing. Between... So they're like, yeah. Able for powers will happen on the bridge. Prior at Checkpoint Charlie. Right. So he's a little nervous because he's like, well, we got to take them at their word that this that they're going to push Pryor over Checkpoint Charlie at the same time that right. we're doing this, but we don't have eyes there. It's pre-FaceTime. Well, they do have eyes, but they just have to make a telephone call. 
it's pre-FaceTime. They don't have the Tim Daly starring TV show Eyes. Sure. They don't have it in East Germany. No, they don't. It never made it to East Germany because of East Germany's restrictive censorship. Yes. They never got to see the TV show Eyes starring Tim Daly. I'm going to... I'm going to work this joke. And and here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to get every cent I can out of this joke. That's the real tragedy. <laughs> it is the real tragedy. That's why the wall eventually came down. They wanted eyes. It's weird that they got early edition, though. They did get early Kyle Chandler. Do you remember that one? Where <laughs> yeah, he of gets... course. The way the cat would bring him tomorrow's paper today. <laughs> he gets a newspaper early. Are you fucking and so kidding me? You think I don't know about early edition? Has Kyle Chandler been in a Spielberg movie yet? Seems like an obvious uh, choice. No, he was in Super 8, which is the faux Spielberg yeah, right, movie. Right, right. The cover band. Uh, no, that just seems, be great. That just seems obvious. Get yeah, him in. Maybe a he should play movie. the boy in the Pope movie. Yeah, that's right. He should yeah. play. He should play all the. He should play the. He should play St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, I'm sure they've cast the boy four times now by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Um. So, uh, eyes. It was on ABC for uh, uh four glorious episodes before it got canceled. So uh-huh. Tim Daly, great, yeah. great early show. edition. On the other hand, lasted like six seasons. <laughs> At least five. Yeah. yeah, good run. Um. So when we should mention that. Hanks pushes the Germans over the line by having that little conversation with Felix from Sense8, yeah. where he just sits him down. It's those great shots. Yanush is, you know, having a blast as usual with his pools of light. Yeah. Um, of the bikes going up and down, delivering the right. mail and delivering the messages. And the guy goes like, I'm sorry, my boss had to leave. And he goes, I've been waiting here for a fucking hour, and now I can't talk to the guy. And he goes, I'm sorry. And he goes, look, let me explain something to you. And he starts to spiel, and Ratface is immediately like, I should go get a higher-up. And he's like, no, I'm telling you. are listening to me. I'm giving you a message, and yeah. you need to deliver you this You need message, to deliver this. This is on you. Which is essentially like, if Pryor doesn't show up, the Soviets are going to know about it. Yeah. And they're going to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that happens is we uh, see Abel for the first time in like 45 That's minutes. That's the thing. This whole second movie is yes. playing out without Mark Rylance's dynamite work. Right. And you'd think you'd miss it, but you don't. Partly because he did such a good job that he looms, you yes. know, like you get why Hanks is working this hard. Right. And partly because everyone else is great, too, and everyone's doing a great job. It was a professionally made film with lots of great actors. <laughs> and there's a ticking clock. I mean, it's a, there's so much at stake. But it also But means, then they wake up Abel. But so yeah, you see the quick glimpse of them waking him up, and he's sort of disoriented. He doesn't know what's going on. Yep. And then when he gets onto that bridge, God, like the two of them being back together in the same frame talking again. It feels like fucking like watching a band reunite at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you uh-huh. know? Like the fact that he's been mostly missing for this hour and the backbone of this movie has been this weird mutual respect these two men have for each other just as professionals and family men. Absolutely. I mean, th- then... Stoika Musik. Right. So now it's like the tensest shit in the world and you're watching just like... That's great. A bunch of people on a bridge standing <laughs> on opposite sides right. waiting it's for a not phone call. That tense. No. The Soviets show up. And they're like, here he is, Powers. And Jesse Plemons is there and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, that's, that's yeah, Powers. Yeah. Take off right. your hat. Yep, that's him. Yeah. And then, and Hanks is like, no, no, no. Call Trickpoint Charlie. Is, you know, my guy there? This guy I've never met prior, you know, is he there? No. And so Hanks is like, we got to wait. We got to, because we're waiting to see if they're, you know, they're waiting to see if we'll just do the swap anyway. Right. The CIA is like, get going to Abel. They're like, you're free. Go. Well, this is the third time. We forgot to mention this at all. But this is the third time they use the would it help in the movie, yep. which is you don't seem nervous at all. Would it help? Would it help? Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, they say they say to, to Abel, like, your choice. I mean, who knows what fucking happens? If we wait for this prior thing and it goes wrong, you might get fucked over. Yeah. but And also, but Hanks is also saying to Abel, like, 
what's going to happen to you? And Abel's like, well, you know, sometimes. I mean, his line way earlier that I love. Let me yeah. actually let me get the exact line because it's so okay. good. So while you're saying that, I'll say the other thing that sure, that uh, Donovan says to Abel, which is Abel says like, what's the deal with this dude? You know? Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you care about this? Right. Why do you care about Pryor? And and he, Hanks just has this line where he just looks him in the eyes and he goes like, I really want this guy. Yeah. You know? Like, it would be great if we could get both of these guys. <laughs> and Abel sees in him, like, okay, this is, he's doing for these two kids what he did for me. I know right. how good a man this is. And he's done so much for standing me. Standing man. Right. Standing man. Stroja Muzik. Where he just decides, like, Abel's like, I'm in no rush. I can rush. wait. I can, can wait. wait. Um, and but- it's just like, oh, my God, these fucking nice friends. Uh, nice They're friends. the two friends. They were the original two <laughs> they friends. Were. They were the original two friends. They were on the two friends bridge. Yeah. And then we have to acknowledge them. Yeah. Um, but no, and they I, locked the gate. I just love that line. They did lock the gates. I just love that line where earlier it's uh, when Hanks is asking about his Soviet yes. masters. He says, well, the boss isn't always right, but he's always the boss. Yes. Uh, which is sort of being repeated here when he says, like, let's see how they greet me. Boss you know, isn't always maybe right. Maybe it'll be a hug. But he's always the boss. But he's always the boss. That's what he says. He goes, what, what are, you, are you worried at all? Because when he talks to uh, our, our friend... Uh, in Germany, the one who said, like, you know, of course you would say that he hasn't told you anything, you know, but we'll have to we'll have to do a thorough investigation and decide what we do with him. Right. Sure. Uh, Abel says, you know, I, he says, are you worried? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, how will we know what's going on? And right. he goes, if they embrace me. Or not. Right. You know, if they embrace me, I'm probably fine. If they put me in the back of the car without any. any then who knows? Right. They do the trade. Prior shows up. They do the trade. The most exciting phone call in the history of film. Great phone call. Uh, and uh, they do the trade, and they put Abel into the back of the car. And, uh, you know, there's there's a looming sense of dread, and Hanks comes home. He's been telling his wife that she's been on a, he's been on a fishing trip the whole time, that he'd pick up something from the corner store. Yep. Or or, or he says he's going to pick it up from he where he's He says he's going to get the, the marmalade in Britain. He just gets a marmalade from around the corner. Right. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah. Amy Ryan underserved, although what yeah. can you do? But, uh, but a solid actress. I mean. Yeah. Giving... It's just sad to see Academy Award nominee Amy Ryan, the role she gets. It's just too bad. I agree. Make a movie for her, Steven Spielberg. I agree. Um, um, but. Uh, and then, of course, he on comes com- the TV. Right. And And so what happens is you see him walking through the door with her. Right. And as they're walking in. The kids who are all huddled around the TV go, Mommy, Mommy, look. And it cuts to the kids' perspective and it cuts to the TV. So you don't see Amy Ryan and Tom Hanks for a little bit, right? Yeah. You see the kids watching and you see the news coverage, which is announcing successfully negotiated the return of both Powers and Pryor in exchange for Abel, executed by this boss-ass lawyer named fucking Donovan, Mm -hmm. right? And the camera spins around to what you assume is going to be the shot of Tom Hanks standing there like a hero. And instead, Amy Ryan is standing mouth agape, and Tom Hanks is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Where did he go? Bed. He goes upstairs, and Tom Hanks is lying face down, sound asleep in the bed. (laughs) He wasn't being cute. All he wanted to do. He wanted to go to bed. He's not in it to be a hero. Okay? Now, this is obviously where the movie should end. Yeah. uh, And then just give us the title cards over black. Instead, we see him on the subway. And mm-hmm. we see a woman like look up from her paper. There'd been an earlier scene where people were judging him on the subway. They hate him because he's... And now she's like, oh, it's And she Tom gives Hanks. him a thumbs up. Or whatever. And he is looking up and he sees kids climbing over fences. Earlier in, in the film, he was on a train. He saw he kids trying kids to climb over shots, the wall. They get shot. And it's very shocking. Good scene. That's a yes. good scene. 
yes. uh, the, the earlier scene. He looks this forward scene... and smiles. The title cards happen over that. Yeah, I like that the, he, he then like just starts reading his paper and the title cards float over his shoulder. Um, but yeah, and point out that Abel lived a boring life in the Soviet yeah. Union and, and Donovan became like a very famous negotiator uh, during the Bay of Pigs crisis and other... Right, and they give you that awesome fucking stat where it's like they sent him over to negotiate the release like of, of a like, thousand people, and he got nine nine thousand people, and it's like this, more this fucking dude, this fucking dude, good like, dude. Like I love true story movies about people you know, who aren't well known, and they can give you stats like that at the I, end and I, be like, this guy's even better than you thought he was. I reviewed this movie; it's a good movie. You can read my review on the Atlantic. Um, oh, but I, and I talked about how like you know. There's a lot of in this movie about like how we're not different, right? Yeah. Like you know, and like that. Though maybe that's what Spielberg's laying on a little too thick right here at the end, but that's okay. But in this age of populism, uh huh. I mean, come on, guys. So what if there's borders? We're all just people. Why can't we get along? Let's all be yes. friends. This is an anti-xenophobia movie. Yes. Without yep. politicizing it as such, and I like for a movie that is so mired in politics, it's actually weirdly kind of apolitical. It's a humanist movie. Right. That's what it is. Our main characters are never fighting for political causes. They're fighting for basic human decency. Correct. Uh, it's a it's just a stunningly empathetic movie. And to watch people act on such kindness, on empathy and decency moved me to, to tears, to a light misting several times during the watch. It's, it's exactly, you know, people used to eagerly await the next Spielberg movie because he was like our greatest fucking popcorn, like yep. spectacle filmmaker. Right. Yep. And this current mode Spielberg's in, I, you know, I will see ready player one opening weekend. No question. Cause it's Spielberg and I'm curious. Right. Sure. But for me, I wait breathlessly for him to make another movie like this because now more than ever, Agree. we need movies like this. We do. I need movies that don't take me away from the reality of the world and send me to another fucking dimension. You know, I need movies about how good people can be. Yes. Movies that aren't fucking maudlin or saccharine, you know, but are hopeful with an earned hope about hard work and hard decisions. I got no disagreement with but any of But just the this. fucking just human decency in the face of all that, that surround us and engulfs us right now. Yeah. I love this movie. I, I totally agree with I you. I know people flip out about the ending a lot. For me, that's oh, sort of whatever. like, that's how I feel about the Lincoln ending where it really does, I don't you know, care about it either. Right. The Lincoln ending for me is like a stumbling block. For This for me, I'm like, yeah, of course the movie would be better if it ended over Look, him we, lying we're not bed. litigating this. Enough. It's 90 I seconds. I want to play the box up. The movie's game. earned at that point. Okay. The movie came out October 16th, 2015. The best weekend of all time. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting weekend. It opened number three at the box office with $15 million. It eventually grosses 72 domestic and 165 worldwide. A perfectly respectable, if yeah. not incredible, uh, turn yes. in the theaters. Number one is a new movie that week. A, a comedy. A goofy kids comedy with... Hotel uh, Transylvania 2? No, that is number five. Okay. I knew it came uh, out in its fourth week. Oh, right, because it came out October. Yeah, okay. Um... Maybe that was the movie you were seeing the same day as Bridge of Spies. Uh, no, it's not, because I saw that with Ramona, friend of the show. Number one is a goofy family comedy. Live action? Live action with, I guess, some CGI elements. What doesn't have fucking the bunch yeah. of CGI shit in it these days? But not CGI characters? I haven't seen it. I think it might. I have no idea. Not really. I don't know. It's a weird movie, and there's going to be a sequel. It was kind of a surprise critical and box oh, office Oh, Goosebumps. Hit. Yes. Goosebumps. Yeah. 
quiet little hit of 2015. Yeah, people say it's like surprisingly good. People say it's pretty good, although I hear the ending is weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Sure. Goosebumps. Number one, a sequel just announced. Get ready for that. What I'm sure world. by the time this episode comes out, I'll have been announced as the villain in Goosebumps. <laughs> Congrats. I'm playing the evil mannequin. Not the mannequin, the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, you're playing Slappy. Slappy, thank you. I was searching for that. Uh, okay, number two at the box office is the kind of movie that I can tolerate in the world that we're talking about, which is essentially kind of a big budget genre movie that's just a little more grounded than uh, some of this stuff. It's an, it's an original, no, it's an adaptation of a book, but you know, it's, it's a standalone movie. And uh, the one thing I would definitely say about this movie, mm-hmm. which has made $143 million in three weeks, wow, uh, is that it is funny. It's really funny. Famed for its hilarity. Is it a comedy or is it just a very funny... Some people thought it was a comedy. 90 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press, for example. Oh, The Martian. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just laugh for a little bit. The Martian. Remember that time they left him on Mars? The slapstick comedy (laughs) of the year. On Mars. Uh, I rewatched that movie recently. Oh. Pretty good movie. Yeah. B- perfectly funny. It's yeah. about as funny as Bridge of Spies. Like it's yes. not a comedy. Yeah. It, it, it's like a race against time drama. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Gone Girl is more of a comedy than The Martian. Yes, it is. Gone Girl is more of a satire, which at least yes. you can call a comedy. Yes. Thank you. All right. Number four. <laughs> Wait, I just remembered that other left in scene in Martian where they saved him. <laughs> Oh, the Martian. I'm sorry. Go on. It's just. Oh boy. Oh. Okay. Number. F- number. Hey, remember three. how he makes a. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, all of you. God he damn it. He makes fertilizer out of his poo poo. <laughs> all right. Enough. 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 Okay. Number three. Bridge of Spies. <laughs> number three. Bridge of Spies. Number four. Uh, thirteen million. An R-rated gothic romance. Uh, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. I probably gave it away there, but yeah. uh, yeah. not a lot yeah. of gothic yeah. romance. How many? Oh boy! Uh, great movie, in my opinion. Uh, sorely underrated. Uh, one of my favorite Del Toro, Del Toro movie in a very long that, time. That's a half an hour for me. What does that mean? I like some of it. I dislike other parts of it. What don't you like? This is not an episode for me to get in Crimson Peak. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> I just, I just, I feel like. Uh, I'd like to watch it again. I've only seen it one time. I think there is a lack of cohesion to all American Del Toro movies. I'm trying to think of well, I, I really like Hellboy too, but I, I haven't seen that one in a while. I think Hellboy he, honestly, as we've talked about, yeah. he'd be a good blank check. He would. I think Hellboy 2 works because it I'm not owns a huge fan of his, how erratic it is. Yeah. I just think his Spanish movies are so much better than, than the American ones. I think the main Spanish trilogy, the the Kronos, Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth, is like so head and shoulders above all of his American work combined. They're good. They're good. I I was just never into Pan's Labyrinth. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm excited for this next movie he's got coming out, which is like a the Cold War monster movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's it not, always sounds good. It always sounds I think good. Crimson Peak's great though. I think it's one of his best movies. I like some of it. You like what now? Some of it. Uh-huh. Okay. And then number five, Hotel Transylvania Two. You've also got Pan. Pan. Yeah. More like panned by the critics. Indeed. Oh. Uh, did I tell you that a year later? I got an email. I think yes. I, I tweeted it, certainly. Yes. But, uh, I got an email a year later. Literally a full calendar. <laughs> Pretty year. much. An email that said, just thought, just wanted to tell you your review of the movie Pan sucked. Thought you'd like to know. That was the whole email. It was all in the subject line. Burn the internet. Uh, the intern... Is in there, which is I think an underrated movie. Pretty, pretty watch rewatchable. Yeah, uh, I think it's okay. 
I think half of it's okay, and there are there's like half of that movie that I when I'm watching it, I think is a masterpiece. Uh, there are individual scenes in that movie where I'm like, this is a great movie, and then it goes to something I think is kind of banal. What happened to De Niro? Like he likes money. I mean, yeah. He's like a businessman. He owns a lot of real estate and he likes doing things like the Tribeca Film Festival and investing in restaurants and buying art and shit like that. And he has more critical acclaim than anyone needs for one lifetime. And he likes uh, getting paid money so he can uh, do the things he really likes doing. Sicario is in the top 10. Lovely movie. Decent movie. Uh, Good looking movie. Uh, Woodlawn. The hell is that? Oh, that was an inspirational football movie, I believe. Oh, that's right. Inspirational movie. Inspirational, quote unquote. Uh, the Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, which is probably the last Maze Runner, right? Because they didn't make a ton of movie money, and they like almost murdered the lead actor. They have uh, scheduled a new release date for it. Oh, for the third one? They stopped filming yeah. like a year ago Yeah, because uh, their lead actor, Dylan O'Brien, got run over by a truck. Yeah. And he has now recovered, started filming on another movie, and they claim when this movie's done, he's going to go back to the next Maze Runner film, and it will be released with, like, a, a year-and-a-half-long break in the middle of production. Uh, fantastic. Weird. Glad for that. Sure. And uh, Steve Jobs, Black Mass, Everest, which I just watched, Everest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. Purchase Buys. I fucking love it. If you haven't seen it, see it, goddammit! Okay. And if you've seen it, rewatch it again. It's, it's, a, it's a really, you know what? It's a good movie for the times we live in. I agree. It, uh, it inspires you to... Um, to be a better person. I, I, I certainly, I, I like watched the movie and said like, how do I actually try to make positive change in this world? You know, aside from the obvious things, our marches, our petitions, our phone calls, our donations, the things that everyone's sort of sharing on Facebook. It's like, what are the, the moments of uh, kindness and selflessness and uh, empathy for others that I can do on a day-to-day basis? Agreed. Even those who you think are your enemies. Uh, who do you think are your enemies right now? Twitter eggs, Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, I, Do you have like a showbiz enemy? Yeah. I'm trying to think who gets a lot of my parts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Colin Jost or someone? Uh, well, Colin Trevorrow, obviously. Obviously. Colin Jost and I aren't going up for the same parts. I don't know. Though I did audition for Weekend Update. Did you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what am I asking that for? No. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the new guy is. There, There's always like at any given point in time, there's like per year, there's one guy who gets all the parts that I want. And then the next year it'll be someone different. Mm-hmm. Like it was Miles Teller for a while, mm-hmm. but I feel like Miles Teller and I aren't competing anymore. Uh, no. What's Miles Teller doing with himself now? You know what? We should end this podcast. Yeah, we should too. Uh, the point is, I've handily beaten all my enemies in show business, um, and uh, every everything's good except for the world, which is terrible. Purchase spies, bad. great movie, five out of five, ten out of ten. Uh, would watch again. World, um, no good. This has been our Bridge of Spies episode. Uh, Next week we end the BFG. Pod me if you cast with the BFG. Uh, no bonus episode for this series because there wasn't it's been a lot one, of Spielberg. and it's a lot of Spielberg. But uh, you know, BFG, there's not as much to dig into in that movie, so it probably will contain a lot of the earmarks that you might love of uh, a bonus episode in in terms of sort of uh, finality, yeah. thesis, rankings, what, what have you. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. No, we'll do some rankings. We'll do some rankings. Everyone loves those rankings. Hey, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate. rate Review, subscribe. Just do those things. Yes. And uh, go to the Reddit. If you want. Any, anything. Anything. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts, Ben? Anything you want to say? Final thoughts? Uh, continue to believe in democracy in our country. Guys, I know it's bad. I'm predicting it's going to get worse. 
by the time this comes out, but I hope that we all can continue to hold on to some of our ideals. Hey, look, he's our finest film critic, but he's also one of our greatest truth tellers. That's true. Um, that's not a nickname. It's just a compliment, Ben. Thanks, man. You're a good guy. And, uh, yeah, uh, and as always, we're back. Back on the Spielberg rack. <laughs> we got to use it again. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 